Hi there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Marks. And today we're talking about S5 E3 Surfing the Aftershocks. Mm-hmm. This episode is written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Chad Lowe. Chad Lowe's Chad triumphant Lowe's return. Dropping another Chad Lowe joint on us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'll talk about that later. Uh, so we're going to open on a kind of neat little sequence here where it's Allie is just like lying in bed, kind of like melancholy, you know, not like she's not like sobbing or anything. She's just kind of sad face. Distant. Yeah. And there's a neat thing where it's like the lighting kind of keeps cycling from like light to dark. I mean, it's obviously not like a, a time lapse or anything, but it symbolically suggests like day to night she's just like lying there as days go by yeah time is moving shifting around in her bed sitting up lying down again time um, is a flat circle a song by the song is smoke and mirrors by agnes obel is playing over all this and we hear the other liars like in voiceover uh we can hear like aria and spencer and whatnot they're like are you okay do you need something you know do you want a glass of water and then Jason, we hear Jason say, just leave her alone. And Kenneth says, I think you girl should go. And Arya's like, but Mr. De Laurentiis, and he says, she's been through a lot. And Jason's like, he's right. You should all get out of here. Well, when we see like Allison do that sequence, like moving to different positions on the yeah. side, staring off, processing her grief. As the light keeps feelings. kind of like, like kind of like spinning around, like light to dark. It's, it's a neat artistic little way of suggesting like, I don't know, like maybe a week has passed or so, you know, several, several days. Well, then also the, at the end of that sequence, we see Allison laying there in the dark. I kind of like mm-hmm. that. She's not the only character who's like left in the dark somewhere in this episode, but so later it's daytime. It's in her room. She's in a bathrobe. She picks up a black dress that's been laid out over her bed. Uh, we see in the doorway is, uh, Hannah in her sexy funeral dress waiting for her. As sexy funeral dresses go, I feel like Anna maybe toned it down a little bit from Wilden's funeral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, she was dancing on that grave. Oh, yeah. And maybe, like, squatting down and peeing on it, too. Um, mm. So, Hannah asks if Allison needs help getting dressed. Allison says no. Allison asks if Hannah thinks that there's going to be a lot of people at the funeral. Hannah says she doesn't know. Hannah ten- Allison then tells Hannah to go downstairs. She'll be there in a minute. Hannah says, okay, she leaves. So downstairs, we see Emily, Spencer, and Aria and their sexy funeral dresses watching Kenneth DeLorentis talking to Jason, and they're in suits. Ken is pouring some serious scotch, and he's well, like, like... they're over at, like, the mini bar, kind of, like, apart from the liars. Well, how weird is this family dynamic, where it's these two pretty shitty bros, mm-hmm. like, and then you have these, like, four teenage girls who are just <laughs> taking up residence in their home, almost full-time. But Ken's pouring that serious scotch, and he's like... I don't want to see any police. Not the funeral, not the cemetery. No police, no press. And Jason's like, I took care of it. How? How did you take care of that exactly? I'd like to know, Jason. Because <laughs> usually, like, did you? you? Usually you would have the police there to keep the press away. Yeah. So, but somehow you're, you're keeping the press off without the police. Well, what, like, what, what, what do you just call up the, the local paper and, uh, uh, yes, I would like there to be no press at the funeral. They're <laughs> like, that- okay, fuck you, buddy. Does that work? Well, it's like mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of that would possibly work is if Jason went and committed like a series of crimes <laughs> on the other side of town. Well, and he, Kenneth's like, did you? And he says, yes, I did. Uh, Kenneth, like, that's like a sinister drink he's pouring. Yeah. 
Like the, these two are like it's kind of like a symmetric frame of like them facing each other, and there's like the lamp behind them both. Mm. Uh, Ken is taller, and he's just he's just Mister fucking patriarchy here, you know. Like oh. yeah, Kenneth, like I can't stand his whole like demeanor. Like he just seems like an asshole. So like there's 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 two readings that I feel like the girls could have because they're watching this situation seemingly with no opinion. I feel like on one hand you could have. Arya turn to Emily and be like, wow, Ali's dad's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Or you could have Emily turn to Spencer and be like, wow, so nobody likes Jason, huh? <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I'm sure they've like encountered uh, uh, Kenneth De Laurentiis before. So. Well, you got to understand, this is a man who no longer has any hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just drinking. He has no hope. So Hannah comes downstairs with the PLOs. They ask how Allison is. Hannah says that she's fine. She's getting dressed. And Arya's like, yeah, but how is she? And Hannah's like, she's going to her mom's funeral. How do you think she is? <laughs> Spencer says she's going to bury her, to bury the woman who tried to bury her. That's heavy. Yeah. And Emily's like, this is like your, like, basically, like, exposition scene here. Because Emily says, question is, who buried Allie's mom in Spencer's backyard? And well, Emily's, like, like, looking right at Jason when she says this. Well, I feel like these girls lately, they don't go anywhere without an agenda. Like Spencer's probably like thought that line up this morning in the shower. And she's mm-hmm. just like, you bet your ass I'm going to say that today. <laughs> um, and Emily's just like, you bet your ass I'm going to talk shit about Jason. Emily's giving Jason the evil eye. Jason's like giving it back at them. Spencer picks up on that and informs Emily that she doesn't think it was Jason. Emily asks, well, Jason, you know, Jason looks kind of weird in his suit. Like he has like a dark shirt on underneath mm-hmm. um, with his like. It's like he shaved like the day before, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not really like a goatee or anything happening there, but I don't know. It's, it's, that's a weird facial hair look. Yeah, yeah. But then he has like the, like the nicely combed hair. Like, I'm not sure what you're going for there, Jason. Um, so Emily asks, you know, Spencer, what makes her so sure it wasn't Jason? And Spencer's like, because I saw his face when the dog found the body. And Arya's like, the dog who knows exactly where the body was buried. That sounds exactly like a. Which, just imagine this LOL scenario. Peppy the dog is A, who took over the game after Tippy the bird went to Radley. Mm-hmm. But Spencer points out that dogs, dogs dig. dig. She says, okay, that's just what they do. They just smell something and they dig. And Hannah's like, you don't have to mention the smelly part. <laughs> and Emily's like, Arya, A's gone. How many times do we have to tell you that? Well, she actually says, A is totally you know gone. Yeah, you know that. And Spencer says, yeah, A might be gone. We still have to deal with Mona. Would it have been too pointed if Arya then looked in the mirror and was like, is she, Emily? Is she? (laughs) (laughs) And Hannah says that, you know, Mona knows Allie wasn't kidnapped. And Emily's like, yeah, she got into Allie's face about it. Uh, This is like totally catch the audience up. And Spencer says, she's not the only one you have to worry about. And they all pause and Arya looks a little puzzled. And she's like, Noel Khan? He's going to do whatever's best for Noel Khan. Put that on a t-shirt for charity. Spencer's like, that's not who I was talking about. Who do you think she means here? Anyone in her family? I feel like <laughs> she's talking about Allie. Because she doesn't oh, yeah, say yeah, anything yeah. else because then Allie comes down the stairs. Well, because, I mean, and especially after everything that's happened since they came back. from mm-hmm. And the, their very pointed encounter in Allison's bedroom in the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Spencer and Allie, they, they butt heads. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Allie comes out. Uh, she has a black dress on that looks like it might be a little bit too big for her. And 
I mean, it's pretty simple. It just has these like, kind of like horizontal, like transparency stripes with the shoulders and cuffs. Uh, and they all, everyone just kind of looks like kind of alarmed. And Hannah's like, that's not the dress we picked out. These girls, they're about to mumble to themselves. They're about to do some snarky pre-funeral like fashion commentary. And Spencer's like, that's not hers, but I've seen it somewhere. And Ellie's just standing there and like Kenneth and Jason look over and it's like their faces darken. Mm-hmm. Kenneth sets his drink down. He marches over. He's like pissed. He's like, why are you wearing that dress? Whoa. Yeah. And Allie's just like kind of confused. And she's like, I-, I wanted to wear something to mom's to feel closer to her. I got it out of her closet. And he's like, change it. And Jason's like, dad. And Allie's like, why? And he's like, go upstairs and put something else on. And Jason's like, we're late now. And so he like kind of glares at his dad. And Kenneth just like, just pissy he just walks off and Allie comes over and well uh, jason follows him but he first he flashes this kind of like, like fix this mm-hmm. like look over at spencer who picks up on it yeah and Allie's like I, I just wanted to wear something of hers why is he so angry and spencer says Allie, your mom wore that dress and Allie's like yeah i know and spencer's like she wore it to your funeral which is uh just a fun little thing for Allie to process Oh, and Alice has a look on her face like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. And Ari's like, we should go. So she leads Allie away with Hannah and Emily's like, coincidences happen. And Spencer says, yeah, all the time. They grow on trees like coconuts, just waiting for you to walk under them. Which is just a wonderful line. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, obviously, no, that is not the dress worn in the it's pilot. But then similar-ish, again, I believe. Then right? again, it's not the same actress yeah. in the pilot, so... We can deal I, with it. I believe it's kind of similar, but yeah, it's not the it's same dress. It's a black dress. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is some of the same people who was like, when they, the, the, this is the dark ride that shot at the end with like the, the hand coming out or whatever, mm-hmm, you know, all mm-hmm. those shots. Yeah. And people are like, that's not the same wrist. Allie's hair is different in this one flashback. Yeah. 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 Um, so after the credits, we're in Principal's Hackett's, Hackett's office. The girl's sitting across from Hackett. We got Emily next to Ari, next to Spencer, next to Hannah. They're, Hackett, they're back in street clothes, so this is, I don't know, the next day or whatever. Right. Hackett is telling them that they've had a crazy week and he's glad to have them back at Rosewood High, except for you, Arya. Emily says that, you know, they're glad to be back. Hackett well, says. Well, so if, if we're doing the math here, what, like maybe a week passed since, uh, the, the events of, um, the New York and all that, you know, it's, coming it's back from New York, finding the body. I'm going to guess it's been a week, but it's hard. I just, I just want you to factor that in and think about. See, middle of season three was Halloween. Yeah. We're not to Thanksgiving yet. Thanksgiving. No <laughs> Literally impossible. Is the end of, of 5A. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hackett then says, but I would be disingenuous to say that things will be as they were before, at least in the short term. Spencer says that they think they can understand that. Hackett says, as I told your parents, the school will protect you from the press and the curious. But, but before we move on, I just wanted to circle back. He says, earlier i want you to know how legitimately relieved we are all that you're all safe like legitimately what does that mean exactly he, this he's like is, we we're legitimately relieved we're not just bullshitting you this whole scene plays out like like a great big battle has happened and now the two like generals in their camps have to negotiate peace i feel like hackett's like look i'm going to say some bullshit that i'm supposed to say you were then going to agree to some bullshit that you're supposed to agree with. Well, I'll nod and smile, and we'll never speak again. Well, I feel like they should have walked out of this and, like, posed together for cameras. Like, the press corps was outside <laughs> or something. No, no, yeah, no. Like, Jason is keeping the press away. Yeah, he, he took care of it. He mm-hmm. took care of it. But, yeah, I love He's like, how... I had to murder a lot of reporters. 
I like how the girls take their turns responding. Like, like they can only speak four times to hack it. Yeah. They take their turns. Um, but yeah, so Arya says that, you know, she, they appreciate the school for trying to protect them. Hacka says, but there are limits to what we can do under these unusual circumstances. I need you to know that I need to know that you would do your parts to keep the disruptions to a minimum. He's, he must hate <laughs> these girls so hard. Well, Hannah's like, you won't even know that we're here. Well, she it's says just... that. First of all, she has the most hilarious look on her face. But before she says that, it's like she looks at the others and she's just like, oh, yeah, I haven't said shit for a minute now. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. You won't even know we're here because we're almost never here. Yeah. Because fuck your school. Um, well, Hackett has it, gives him this little nod, like looks off to the side, like he's just thinking, like, not fucking lightly. Well, then he opens a drawer and pulls out his, his glass <laughs> of serious scotch and takes a long sip. Um, so the liar is like Hackett drinks out. shitty scotch. Yeah, probably. Um, Principal salary. Like, if he gave that to Peter Hastings, he'd just throw it out and laugh in your face. What is this, paint thinner? Uh, the liars walk out of the courtyard then. Spencer says that Hackett would probably like to have them transfer to a high school in Borneo, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily says that coming back was maybe not such a great idea. Um, what, what else were you going to do? <laughs> yeah, what else were you going to do, Emily? You're all going to like drop out and become painters? Yeah, how are you going to get your puffy drape a dorm room in, in Stanford if you don't even finish high school? Seriously. Spencer says that they have to at least act like things are normal. Normal. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, wait, this is your idea of normal? When we were in New York, Allie's mom was killed, and now we're in one of Allie's biggest lies ever. Mm-hmm. Business as usual. Yeah, so they stop in the quad to talk, and Emily's like, we can't pretend forever. I mean, somebody's going to connect all this to Shada. And Hannah's like, yeah, probably Jenna. Spencer says she's more worried about people who already know Ali was lying about New York. And Emily's like, Nolan Mona? And Spencer looks over to Arya, and Spencer's like, and Ezra. Hannah and Emily So maybe both this is to... who she was thinking about earlier. Maybe. Hannah and Emily are both like, oh shit, this is awkward. Yeah, Arya, like, like she looks over to Hannah and Emily, like, kind of like guys, but they're just, like, avoiding eye contact with Arya. Yeah. And Spencer says, you know, somebody has to go talk to him and make sure he's going to keep quiet about what really happened. And then she hands Arya a pistol with a silencer. <laughs> Arya's like, not me. And Spencer's like, Arya. And Arya's like, he's alive, he's safe, but we are over. You guys can ask me to do anything else, but you, you can't ask me to do that. And she just takes off. You can you can actually watch the progression of how Emily becomes increasingly more done mm-hmm. with that conversation. She's yeah. just like, Ezria bullshit? Fuck this. So Arya bounces, and Emily says, Mr. De Laurentiis kept the cops away before the funeral, but that's over. I mean, it's not going to take them long before they start punching holes in Allie's kidnap story. And when that happens, I mean, we have to have something real to give the police. Mm-hmm. To explain why Allison lied, why we backed her up. Spencer's like, real such as? And Hannah says, real as in who hit Allie that night and who killed Mrs. D? So these are their new mysteries to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Emily's like, we're all thinking the same person. And Spencer's like, really? Did you start reading minds? Which is a funny little, you know, theory comment. Mm-hmm. Cause they're the same person. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's like, Spencer, it has to be Jason. Spencer's like, I told you guys, I saw his face. Like, she's really convinced. Like, she, like, totally trust her instincts on this. Mm-hmm. So Emily says that Hannah. Found the email where Mrs. D was saying that she couldn't protect him anymore. And so she was like, protect him from what? Hannah and Emily said that Mrs. D saw who had hit Allison that night, in case we had forgotten, and covered up the crime. And who else would she do that for? You know. Uh, then the bell rings. Spencer says they have to go inside. So Spencer leaves. 
You know, it's it's funny because Hannah's like, he was the one who hit Alice in the night. And Spencer's like, we don't know that. And Spencer right now, she really reminds me of like trying to reason with people on the PLL subreddit mm-hmm. when they post these like really flawed theories. Yeah. It's which is just a, a losing battle. And probably why I don't uh, go to that subreddit very often anymore. Because people, you... like, I feel like whenever I go to the, the PLL subreddit, I inevitably find a theory where there's like a, a really clear logical flaw in it. And I just can't help but point it out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm becoming that guy who just like points out the flaws in people's theories. I'm just going to leave. You considered giving up on pursuing the, the logical, you know, means of winning this discourse and just informing these 16 year olds of computer connections that you saw their face. Saw their face. Well, it's like so many of the theories you see, it's always kind of a, a A leads to B, you know, C leads to D. A leads and, to D, therefore B leads to C, and it's like not exactly, you know. Well, it's, it's like the, it's it's always A leads to B, B goes to F, and G is clearly from the books, mm-hmm. so therefore, yeah, yeah, you have to acquit. Um, Sarah yeah. Harvey, guys, yeah. Therefore, it's Sarah Harvey, or therefore it's it's an evil twin. It's Courtney. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah and Emily kind of have to like you know talk about this they're upset that spencer's not on board with them hannah says you know she doesn't believe that jason could do this and emily reminds us all that jason's her half brother she's going to take some more convincing this is good this is good friends scheming mm-hmm. against their good friend <laughs> um emily asks if hannah wants to do a road trip tonight to see what was in the house where jason was going to the last episode hannah says in that Philly, she can't tonight yeah. and emily's like why are you hanging out with travis remember that guy mm-hmm. and hannah's like no, I have to be with Allie. I have to take her somewhere. Emily's like, where? And Hannah's like, the funeral home. So Hannah walks off. Emily walks off. Um, Meanwhile, at Arya's locker. Yeah, we're all that's really going down. Just closing her locker, and Mona sidles up behind her. Mona does a lot of sidling in this episode. And she's perky as hell. Yeah. Oh, I love, this is my favorite kind of Mona here. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to these hallowed halls. Nice. And Arya's like totally startled. And then it's like just glares at Mona, like totally stone faced. And she's like, thanks. And she just walks off. But Mona, of course, follows. And she says, oh, I wanted to make sure I found you before all the good spaces were taken. And she kind of moves up in front of Arya and blocks her from walking. And she holds up this big card, uh, a picture of a dog with an ice pack on its head. And it says, get well soon. Nice. Which is there's something extra hilarious about this card. It's so dorky. On the internet, nobody knows that you're a dog. Um, so Arya's face just basically communicates, you bitch. Um, Mona's like, you know what happened to him in New York? And Arya well, says, yeah. it's Mr. Fitz's get well card. Yeah. And Mona's like, you know what happened in New York? And Arya's like, yeah, he was mugged. And Mona's like, he was shot. But he's back now. So, and she's like, holds up the card and Arya just ignores it. And she's like, wait a second. What do you mean that he's back? And Mona's like, not here, not in school, in Rosewood, recuperating. He didn't know that part. And it's like everything Mona says, she says it so sweetly. And there's so many layers of like deception and condescension, condescension and like shade tossed in. Like, oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. Like, she's so much fun. Like, when Mona's acting super innocent, like, and the liars are being super skeptical, like, it's just great. Like, those scenes, like, are always fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And Ari's like, no. And she walks off, like, just pissy. But Mona's still following. And she's like, don't you want to sign the card? I think that you should, for the sake of appearances. <laughs> we all have to be careful how others see us. <laughs> I mean, Arya's like about to explode, but fortunately, Hannah has like witnessed this. Mm-hmm. She sees the powder keg, and she Hannah just kind of like floats right in, and she throws on a very casual smile. Like I like how Hannah handles this. She's just like, "I heard you were floating around with this. Are you going to give it to him? Maybe with candy?" 
And she takes the card and starts signing it. And Mona's like, well, they said he was shot in the stomach, so I thought flowers. And it's like, ah, good choice. And she hands the card and pen to Arya. And she's like, sign. It's like she she's forcing her dominant personality, Arya, here to like behave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a reminder, Ezra did blackmail Mona for information and made her a hyper-realized ghostly cyber ninja into his evil personal assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, Mona then asks, what's it going to be like when Allison comes back to Rosewood High? And like, like Arya and Hannah kind of like share a look. Um, and Mona's like, oh, come on. If she's still Allie, she wants to come back, pick up where she left off, and look at that story she's got to tell. <laughs> All that drama and danger and suspense. It couldn't be more exciting if she made up the whole thing. And she has this very innocent smile. Like, it's, oh, I just love the, the dripping shade on her words, you know? Yeah. Couldn't be more exciting if she made up the whole thing. And so she takes that card, and Hannah and Arya are just, like, kind of just glaring at her. It's like, Arya can never keep up with Mona's, like, gleeful deception. Well, she's either just, like, about to go off, like, a fit of rage on Mona, or she's just, like, stunned into silence. I feel like. It's almost like only Hannah really knows how to, like, toss these, uh, you know, like, tennis balls back to Mona. Like, she's the only one who can, like, volley a serve here. Yeah, because Spencer's, even Spencer's, like, get no traction. Well, because Mona, like, the Toby thing, like, Mona is, like, way under Spencer's skin. Like, only Hannah really knows how to, to work with Mona on something like this. Right. Uh, and Hannah's like, hey, Mona, have you seen Noel Khan? And Mona says, oh, I'm sure he's around somewhere getting into mischief <laughs> noel has secrets too mona's gotta be mona uh mm-hmm. so yeah she's she's gone again leaving our hannah and Arya alone and Arya's like she said that ezra's back in rosewood hannah's just like Ugh. <laughs> um yeah but i think that the the beauty of hannah her defense mechanism is you know maybe hannah doesn't get things you know like maybe she doesn't get that like geese honk or she doesn't always pick up on things like tact mm-hmm. it just means that some of mona's weapons you know, don't hit her. Like, her arrows well, think, don't hit Hannah. I think the other part is that Hannah has power over Mona in the way that mm-hmm. the other liars don't. Mm-hmm. Hannah can be like, I'm going to deny you my friendship and it will hurt. Yeah. And and Mona has to acknowledge that. So, uh, yeah, Ezra's back in, in, back in Rosewood. It's been, we don't know, but I, mere It days. seems like a week, right? Because yeah. the, the Hackett said something about a week, so... I've, you know, it's been a while since I've been shot in the stomach and left for dead on a rooftop in New York. I don't know if I would be back in... I watched a lot of episodes of 24. This sounds pretty legit. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually it's just a couple hours. I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine the mm-hmm. 24 PLL mashup. Yeah, I, I can't even... Just trying to imagine, like, Ian Harding having a scene with Kiefer Sutherland. Well, just would be like Janelle Parrish and Kiefer Sutherland, like like cutting off a suspect's head to like use it to get entry into a group mm. that might have information. Who knows? Um, so school hallway. Emily's like, like coming down the stairs. A lot um, of school hallway scenes here. Yeah, she bumps into someone and drops her notebook. So of course, Paige walks over and picks it up as there's, an icebreaker. Page. Yeah. As an icebreaker, Paige says, "I wasn't following you. I just saw you drop that." Oh, and it, Paige is kind of like stealing herself. I mean, man, Paige is so awkward. It's it's almost painful sometimes. Um, it's like she just doesn't know how to be anything other than like right there. You know, like I wasn't following you. I just saw that you dropped that. Like, um, she up. 
Emily's just like, yeah, thanks. Paige says that she's really sorry about what happened to Allison, which I don't believe. Well, and Emily's like not even making eye contact. She's trying Emily to look looks away. so bored. And Emily's just like, you sorry about anything else? And Paige has this look on her face like, I have no idea what to say. Well, no, she she gives us like kind of disappointed look, like really or something. It's like, man, fuck you, Paige. Yeah. <laughs> like, because Paige is like, she's coming on really strong in the scene. Like, she's trying to restart something with Emily here. Mm-hmm. But like, absolute lack of uh, remorse. I don't know if that's a great way to start. Um, Yeah, like, it's interesting. It's interesting when you get to the end of this episode and you kind of look back on some of these Paige scenes. It's not like you see them in a whole new light. It just makes them even sadder, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess you could say for Paige, at least she's not being a total doormat anymore. She's kind of like... Kinda... Well, no, no. She might get to that point, maybe in season 5A, but well, she's, she's not there yet. She's transitioning out of she's the She's not going place. to like go back on like the Allison thing. Yeah, and th- thank God for that. But she's not. she's not understanding why... It's it's not working out between her and Emily. Also, she's not getting that Emily can be a magnificent bitch when she wants to make a point. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and but especially I feel like when this she's is, used to having doormat girlfriend. This is a good step for Paige, though. I mean, she's she's not there yet, but she's it, it would it's going to do Paige a lot of good to like not be with Emily. Well, it's going to do her a lot of good. I hate to say it, to be crushed by Emily in these moments because mm-hmm. yeah, she might become a diamond out of this mm-hmm. brutal rock crushing um so emily like Paige is there and emily's like looking past her and she sees that she's being stared at um and she says something just kind of like just this like weird sad brunette yeah Um, uh emily says that she's had all the being stared at she can stand for one day um i'm just gonna go and call that chick sydney she's over by mm -hmm. the trophies looking over at emily and Paige is like sees it and says i'll handle it i know her she's on the team she's transferred in emily says it's not important Walks off. A lot um, of people are just transferring into this school, right? Yeah. Paige watches her go and looks like she's just going to implode into a black hole of awkward sadness. And then Mona out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, Mona, again, sidling enough. Well, she like, yeah. it's like she's on like Paige's shoulder like the devil there to taunt her. And she says, the science having Emily back, isn't it? And Paige just like stares at her and Mona holds out the get well card. And she's like, you haven't signed the card for Mr. Fitz. Oh, and Paige just like takes the card. Um, so meanwhile, this girl Sydney, she's leaning against the wall, like staring intently. Uh, she's a little bit of a mouth breather. Um, she's well, she has this weird kind of like open mouth, like ha- like a half open mouth, like mournful look on her face. Mm-hmm. She just looks like this like sad ass chick, just like leaning against the locker, like staring, like kind of like blank eyed, like a fly might fly into her mouth. So this actress who plays the character's name is Cindy Driscoll. Her the actress's name is Chloe Bridges. She was on the Carrie Diaries. Uh, recently, there was an epidemic of fans referring to her as Mom on Twitter. Yeah, which I guess is the new diva. Um, yeah. But don't ask me why. But she reminds me a lot of the actress who played the original La Femme Nikita in the Luc Besson movie. I don't know. Nikita Wilson. No, that was a USA uh, like TV uh. show. I I do not know who that actress is. Um. In, anyway, so we see that Sydney's like leaning against the wall, staring intently at Emily. Emily's over by her locker, notices this gets pissed off. This kind of reminds me of when Travis did the exact same thing to Hannah in the previous season. Yeah, this chick we should mention is by the uh like the trophy case that the school has. Yeah. And so finally, Emily she shuts her locker and just like thinks this girl like she looks over. This girl very obviously like turns around like she's been spotted, and Emily like walks over like she's about to go ham. 
And she's like, can I help you with something? And this chick turns around. She has this look on her face like, who, me? You know? <laughs> and Sydney's like, sorry? And then he says, people have been staring at me and my friends all day. So why don't you take a really good look and we can all move on with our lives, okay? And yes, I know the dead girl who isn't dead anymore, okay? Like she's rhyming right now for some reason. That's it's part of her, uh, yeah. her song. And Sydney says, I was just looking at your trophies. <laughs> That's what I call them too, mm-hmm. wink. Emily's like, my what? And Sydney's like, the trophies in the case. You're Emily Fields. Your name is on all the trophies. <laughs> and Emily kind of sighs, like, oh, I'm being an asshole. And Sydney's like, I figured out who you were when I saw you talking to Paige. I'm on the team with her. I'm Sydney Driscoll. And Emily's like, eh, sorry for shouting. She- well, Emily Emily turns to leave, and Sydney calls out to her that classic line, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> like, it's a, like it's Roadhouse. Yeah. And he's like, what? And Sydney says, I mean, you're tall, but I thought you'd be taller. All the trophies? I figured he had an advantage. And Emily's like, being tall helps, but not as much as everybody thinks. And Sydney's like, they said you hurt your shoulder. That's why you're not on the team anymore. You must miss it. And Emily's like, uh, I do. And Sydney says, listen, I transferred three weeks ago. I'm bottom of the roster and I can use all the help I can get. Like, this chick is like so sketchy. I don't know. I don't, like, there's something untrustworthy about well, I this. Have, I have comments about this scene in a moment. Yeah, well, and she has this, like, permanently, like, mournful, like, frowny look on her face. Um, and Emily's like, what does that have to do with me? And she says, watch me in the pool, 15 minutes, and then, you know, tell me what you think, please. And the bell rings, and Emily just has another big sigh. It's like, you're too nice to people, Emily. Yeah, so two things. The first, these girls make headlines all the time. Is mm-hmm. Emily constantly having to have the stop staring at us conversation with somebody? Mm-hmm. In addition to the cat calls and what have you. Second, I feel like this scene between Emily and Sydney is like the imagined dialogue that Instagram commenters have in their head when they post on one of these actresses' <laughs> photos, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> like, like, just please look at my whatever bullshit thing. And then, you know, tell me what you think. It'll just take you 15 seconds, you know, uh, Shay Mitchell. Uh, so night, we pan across the face of Spencer Hastings. Spencer's in her bedroom. We're looking in through her window at her. Yeah, she's in her bedroom staring out, watching Allison's bedroom. There's a lacy curtain is down. You can see the silhouette of Allison moving across, moving across the room through it. It's like watching, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's shadow move. And then. Well, it's, it's funny because Spencer has her hands on like the latch to the window. Like at any moment, she might need to lock it. Or jump out of it. Um, yeah. And then Melissa Hastings out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Just hear her voice behind her and says, don't let them catch you looking. And she walks up like right beside Spencer at the window. And Spencer's like, what do you think? Somebody's going to throw a rock. And Melissa says, it's a possibility. They hate us enough. And Spencer says, we're not exactly the Hatfield and McCoys. And Melissa's like, nothing so rustic. More like the Borgias and the Medicis. Nice. Mm-hmm. Spencer says that ended pretty nasty as well, too. And this is like a lot of matricide. Oof. Yeah, these two know how to volley. Yeah. And Spencer turns around kind of suspicious. She's like, you think Jason killed his mother? Well, I love that these two ladies can turn like, it's like they're turning like an episode of like hardcore history into like just like <laughs> snarky, bitchy gossiping. Yeah, and Melissa says, people are capable of all sorts of things under the right pressures. Hmm. And Spencer's like, well, there's plenty of pressure right here in this house. And Melissa's like, why did you send Toby after me? And Spencer says, I didn't. He went on his own. Why did you lie about seeing him in London when you hadn't? And Melissa says, on a practical level, 
there's no difference between me seeing him and knowing he was there. LOL. Oh, I love when these two talk. Like, Melissa's, like, constantly regaining the upper hand on Spencer, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I love that, that this is the first time I felt she's ever had to be like, well, semantics. Yeah. And Spencer's <laughs> like, then on a practical level, why lie about it? Melissa says she's trying to keep Ren out of it. Mom and dad are worried, and mom and dad are worried enough without dragging him back into things. So, like, I guess she's back with Ren, kind of, mm. or maybe it's just like a place to sleep in London. I don't know. Um, Spencer says, "I mean, to get back with the guy who you were engaged to, but he caught him making out with your little sister, I don't and know. he's repeatedly gone after that same little sister." I mean, I guess at a certain point, you're like. I got married, and then my husband turned out to be some creep, and he died. The other guy that I and was it, kind of leading on was, you know, arrested for murder for a short time. And and then murdered as soon as he got out. Like I may or may not have been present for that. Ren, eh, maybe not looking so bad now. He does have that accent. Well, just flashback to season three, and he's like, Melissa, we should catch up sometime. And she's just like, right. <laughs> When you find yourself at a creepy lake having a mask made of your own face for information, maybe you're like, you know what? That skeezy British guy wasn't that bad after all. Even a lie, it sounded good that accent. Um, mm-hmm. So Spencer says, you know, talking about mom and dad, she says, and who do you think are more wor- they're more worried about, you or me? Or mm-hmm. me or you? Um, again, easily 60% of these conversations that these two have are with arms folded in front of their chests mm-hmm. while facing each other from the other side of the room. Melissa says, worry less about me, Spencer, and more about yourself. You brought Allison home, safe and sound. Good for you. Frankly, <laughs> I wish you would have left her where you found her, but you didn't. She's back in the bosom of what's left of her family. Now stay away from her and what's left of them. I'm related to parts of that family, and so are you. And Spen- Melissa super sarcastic. And blood is thicker than water? That's what they say. It can be very slippery. Hmm. The Hastings family dialogue is like a telenovela having like really wet, gooey sex with Falcon Crest. Um, well, and it's, you know, Spencer's eyes follow her sister out of the room here. It's like that caught her off guard. Melissa's like, I'm just going to make an allusion to blood. Yeah. Melissa smiles. She walks off. Spencer looks like she's like five seconds from hyperventilating. Uh, two quick things. The first, if Anne Halfway couldn't have made it, how great would Toria DeVito have been as Catwoman in the last Christopher Nolan Batman movie? Oh, that would have been interesting. She would have been more villainous, I think. Uh, the second, I'm going to take this theory one better. It, was like, it occurred to me while I was watching this scene, what if Melissa is actually a figment of Spencer's imagination? <laughs> well, I, I can say that when Spencer watches her go, her eyes move like she's actually watching someone leave. Hmm. Um, I don't know. You ever notice that? Like, you can't, if, if you're not tracking something with your eyes, your eyes, like, they stutter when they move. And some people, that's a disease I just learned recently. People, Some people have disease where their eyes move involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I especially dropped that Falcon Crest reference as a future reference to the Haunted Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the commercial, uh, Alice and Hannah are at the funeral home. Here we see, again, the Isle of the Dead is hung up on the wall. Uh, I believe that's yeah. a Joseph Doherty ad each time. Brief fashion notes here. Spencer's in kind of a fairly... Spencer? I'm sorry. Hannah is in a fairly short dress with like a black like waistcoat on over it. Allie's, like, been wearing weird clothes. Like, she's got, like, these kind of, like, cut-up jeans and, like, just, like, a weird, like, loose black t-shirt and then, like, some sort of, like, green jacket over it. But, like, she's definitely not the fashion maven she used to be. No. No. Like, Spencer's definitely, like, the fashionable one of the two here. 
I mean, what what is Alice new? Is she just like mashing up all of their different styles? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I I assume when you're on the run for two years, you don't really have time to keep up on fashion. I would think that your clothes would all be like utilitarian. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that Isle of the Dead photo it keeps coming back, and it will probably return again. Um, mm-hmm. Allison says that they, you know, they from the funeral home could have just dropped the invitation book off at their house, but Hannah says, you know, this person wanted to meet her. Um, and in a meta statement, I want Allison to say, everyone wants to meet me, Hannah. <laughs> That's exactly what she does say. Um, like, God, I hate these places. Yeah. And Hannah's like, nobody likes them. And Allie's like, well, I hate them. My mom also wanted to make me understand the fragile nature of life. So she dragged me to all my relatives' funerals, starting from the time I was seven. All these people I don't know standing around crying, me choking on the smell of flowers. God. Which, man, I feel you, Hannah. Uh, sorry, for the alley. <laughs> and Hannah like has no response to this. She just she looks over at the painting on the wall. It's the Isle of the Dead, of course. Uh, and Allie looks over. She sees this painting, and it seems to like really upset her. There's like recognition and fear. Well, she focuses her gazing on the figure in white on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, she freaks out. She's like, "I'll be right back." She heads to the bathroom. Hannah asks her if she wants her to come with, and Allison's like, "No." Allison's gone. Oh, she just, she's gone. Like she just gets out of there. Yeah, Hannah face. Then the funeral director comes out from behind a curtain. This dude is creepy and old, of course, because he works in a funeral home. But you know, maybe not half as creepy as Miranda's uncle on Ravenswood. <laughs> he apologizes. That for guy was her just waiting. like a straight up vampire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barnum's Collins. He apologizes for keeping her waiting. You know, Hannah says it's fine. It's just a few minutes. The funeral director hands her the invitation book. Hannah takes it. He says, "I just got back in town yesterday. I spoke with your father on the phone." And Hannah's like. You did? <laughs> like, Hannah totally belongs in, like, screwball comedies, like, oh, about yeah. mistaken identities. Like, she has, like, the perfect reaction. Or, like, whatever old-timey vehicle they would give, like, Marlo Thomas. Like, why can't they give it to Ashley Benson? She'd, mm-hmm. she'd kill it. Um, or, like, Casey Wilson. Like, the stuff they give to Casey Wilson. Why can't Ashley Benson take that on? Um, so, the funeral director is, like, uh, on my notes, he just says, fun director. He says, I'd like to meet as many families as I can, family members as I can. That's why I wanted to give you that person. If I could have returned for your mother's services, I would have. Hannah realizes that he thinks that she's Allison. So just yeah. then Allison walks back in. Well, and Allison looking like she might have just barfed. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah's like, my mother, I, I, I'm sorry, that's Allison DeLaurentis. And she points over at Allie. And Allie's like, are you Mr. Donahue? And he says, yes, I apologize. Well, he gives Hannah a look like, thank you for wasting my time. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> and he says to Allie, yes, I apologize. Mr. Thorpe told me that Allison De Laurentiis was here. And from the description, I, I just assumed that. And Allie says, oh, um, this is my friend Hannah. It used to be a little easier to tell us apart, wasn't it? Uh, she kind of says it's Hannah, which is like very backhanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allie smiles at this and I don't think she means this to be insulting but like i, I don't know it's, it's kind of like a foot and mouth thing i guess because hannah looks know. away she's definitely pissed at this i don't know it's like she expected her old programming to work on hannah i i don't feel like Allie's intentionally being like mean here i i feel like it's just Allie like is tacky basically <laughs> used to be easier to tell us apart so hannah oh. looks away annoyed and she's watching the two of them in the mirror there's some very strong doppelganger vibes here well, she, she looks in the mirror, which is on the opposite wall of Isle of the Dead. Then she's staring at a reflection of herself, standing side by side of Allison with the pain in the background. It's flashback time. Well, now, Hannah, with her, you know, more fashionable, you know, clothes and hair, she, she like, she is the new Allison now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, flashback time. 
Uh, we see that missing flyer of Allie hanging a window of a bakery. And Hannah's like looking at the, we can see her looking at this uh, flyer in the reflection. And then off screen, we hear Mona say, sad, sad, sad. Hannah looks up and it's like she's looking right into the sun. She can't quite make out who it is because it's Mona who like she's she's got the sun right beside her. So you can barely see her. Well, it's the it's the morning glory of this radiant, evil, fallen angel, Mona. Couldn't I go ahead and call this foreshadowing? Mm-hmm. And Mona kind of steps over to block the sun. We see it's her. Uh, it's it's a neat shot. Like she she looks almost angelic. Well, yeah, Hannah's at Lucky Leon's cupcake sitting outside. Uh we see that Mona has basically started to shed the nerdy loser Mona facade. Uh, Mona's like, how are you, Hannah? Hannah timidly says that she's fine. But Mona notices that Hannah has just pounded down like three cupcakes. So oh, Hannah- yeah. We, so it's it's this neat. We we see this. This is how Mona knows that Hannah liked to binge eat those, these cupcakes. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah, like, she looks like very sad, like not like crying, but like just like like kind of a deep depression of the soul, you know? Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm okay. And Mona kind of glances at the rappers, and Hannah realizes this. She quickly picks them up and throws them away. And Mona kind of sighs, and she looks over at the missing flyer, and Mona says, two months. That's not good. They say the longer someone's missing, the less likely they'll ever come back. And Hannah's like, where are your glasses? And Mona says, I don't wear them anymore. And Hannah's like, you look different. And Mona smiles at that. And she says, look how pretty she is, like, looking at the flyer. Ever wonder what you'd look like in, on one of those flyers? Mm. And Hannah says, they'd probably just put a blank space instead of a picture. Hannah's self-esteem is so low <laughs> that it is physically hurting me. Mm-hmm. And Mona uh, says, if Allison's really gone, someone has to take her place. And it's like, what do you mean, if she's really gone? And Mona says, do you want to know a se- the secret? And Hannah's like, what secret? And Mona says, the secret to becoming unforgettable. Hannah ponders this question with some Hannah face. And the camera pans over a little. And we see Hannah's reflection on the window next to the Allison's missing poster. Mm-hmm. And flashback. By the way, let's just say real quick. On an artistic level, this is easily Chad Lowe's best episode, right? Oh, yeah. This episode is awesome. I mean, there's visually, there's some amazing things going on here. And I don't know, I don't know how much of it was like written to the script. Because I could see a lot of it was. A lot of these sequences can only be communicated well, I mean, to a story visually just the, the shot of her with the sun right behind her i mean i don't i don't know if that would be something you'd write in or not but i mean it's, it's executed really well yeah um yeah th- this whole episode is full of like really great imagery like it's just you can just feel like the writers you know the directors like they're just getting more creative well I mean, it's, 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 it's like they're stretching their legs it's pretty obvious but it's it's also pounded home quite a lot to you that like this episode is very heavy subtext about perception and how you are reflected and your identity and like can it be can it be a transparent like vision of who you are to yourself and to others and or is it more murky and you have mm-hmm. to kind of reach through and how much can another person influence that um, well this is also like the most sapphic episode of PLL oh, they've yeah. ever made too yeah yeah which we'll get to um, but yeah, so we, we come back to Hannah in the funeral parlor, and she's just making some Hannah face, and Allie's like, Hannah, let's go. Um, Hannah's, days, yeah. Hannah's kind of pondering, as we'll see, kind of where, where she fits in now. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, for another totally awesome scene, mm-hmm. Peter Hastings is looking out the window in his living room. You see the police tape is still stretched across it, and he's just scoping outside. It's nighttime. 
And Spencer walks in and she says, how long are they going to keep us out of the backyard? He says, well, the police still consider it an active crime scene. And she's like, what's going to happen when the tape comes down? He says, how would you feel about selling the house? These scenes are so good. Yeah. She says she doesn't know. He tells her to think about it. Spencer says, when you sell a house, don't you have to inform the buyer things like mold and termites and dead bodies and, you know, multiple break-ins, <laughs> robot death showers, and sexy time with teenage contractors? And Peter's like, well, we might have to knock a few thousand off the asking price. And then he just kind of <laughs> shrugs. Yeah, with a little eyebrow raise. He's like, hey, hey, how about 5,000 for each body they found in the yard? Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like then he... And then uh, gives we'll you, redo the carpeting. He then gives you 15,000 You pay the closing costs. Then you can acknowledge. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, you're crediting me for like three more bodies that have been found. And he's like, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Just in case. Um, so she's like, Spencer's like, yeah. Life is full of sacrifices. He picks up on her sarcasm, and he's just like, stay or go. We're finished with that family. Um, he then walks over to the counter. Where he plays a hand on his bottle of whiskey, ponders it for a moment. Oh, it's such, such a great shot where Spencer's in the background, like looking out the window, and he's in the foreground, just grabbing that whiskey bottle, like grimacing, like, ugh, whiskey time. Yeah, but he's, he like sighs, and then walks over and pours himself a cup of coffee instead. It's amazing how similar they've kind of managed to make Spencer and Peter in their own way. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like they're, it, they're so perfectly like, you just like, you're like, yeah, these two are totally related. But you can, you can see so much where Spencer gets what she gets and, and why Peter himself is always a little petulant in some way, you know? Right. Spencer says like, you know, dad, we can sell the house. We can move away, but we'll always be connected to that family. And you know why? And I wanted Peter to be like, it's because of my naughty dick, isn't it? Sometimes isn't it? complicated problems have simple solutions, Spencer. Just He's no like, one knows. Just his reading of that makes me like want them to cast him as Lex Luthor. Oh, it's like Peter's going to murder Jason. That's a yeah. simple solution. Yeah, yeah. It's just like problem solved. That was kind of a douche anyway. <laughs> so then just, Spencer says, Melissa thinks that Jason killed his mother. And Peter's like, that's for the police to determine. Spencer yells, it's not her job to point them in his direction. <laughs> what do you want me to do? And she's like, stop her. Spencer, anything that gets the police to look anywhere other than this house is a good thing for all of us. I suspect that that's the kind of thing that only contributes to Spencer's familial mania. <laughs> he starts to walk off. Spencer's like, well, he's just walking yet. off with his coffee. Yeah. And Spencer's like, you know, Dad, forget about selling the house. We just need to put a koi pond out back. Somebody already dug a hole. They both just kind of glare at each other like, well played. Walk, he walks off. Well, beyond the fact that, that Jason is Peter's illegitimate son, I wonder if he's at all concerned still about the fact that he doctored up the grandmother's will to get Jason that truckload of money. How would that play out? Peter has lots of concerns. Yeah. So outside Ezra's apartment, we see Arya's about to knock on the door. She considers it, then starts to walk away. Just then, as she walks away, the door opens. Of course it does. Ezra hobbles out of there. He sees her. She sees him. Then she shoots him in the neck. Well, Ezra's just unshaven ass. Like, I wrote hobble in my notes so many times at this part. It's yeah. like, he's so, like, decrepit and pathetic. Yeah, he, 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 he's got a cane. Ian Harding basically plays the rest of his episode like he's a 75-year-old hermit mm-hmm. uh, who hasn't seen, like, people or the sun in 30 years. After the commercial, we're inside Ezra's place. Arya's standing there. Ezra's walking. She knows that she's kind of fondly looking around. It's like she's recalling how she trashed this place. Yeah. She's like, hmm, oh, I see. You clean that up. 
Yeah, Ezra hobbles over the couch, and this is like typical Ezra dialogue where it's like there's these weird pauses at strange moments uh, that I'm not going to attempt. But he's like, "So I uh, have my own healthcare professional, Mrs. Esther Walling. She comes over every day. It's very nice. She says that I'm her favorite gunshot victim." This is Ezra's idea of dry humor. Well, he like he kind of half smiles and like kind of flaps his arms a little. Like, he's, he's hoping for a laugh or a smile. He well, does she, not get one. She just closes her eyes. Well, she responds. does the, the long blink. But I wanted just Ezra like, to be Ouch. like, I want him to like pull his collar and be like, tough room. Well, he basically he looks away and he coughs. Yeah. <laughs> he got the long blink. He is, he is so remarkably pitiful here. And he picks up some sort of like ledger or something off the couch. And he says, look, I know I promised that I wouldn't come back here. But I really don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. He's kind of fondling his pain meds in one hand, too. Yeah. So, uh, Arya asks how he feels. and Who needs Arya like, when you have painkillers? He's like, she's a painkiller. He's like, how do I feel? I feel like a turkey that's been carved up and sewn back together. Nothing really feels like it's in the right place. My counselor says that's... Uh, Post-surgical mind-body dysphoria. It's supposed to go away, though. And Arya's just kind of like, yawn. Do you know anything that's happened with Allison? Only what I've seen on TV. She told the police that she was kidnapped and that you found her in Philadelphia. Is that the story you all agreed upon? So Arya kind of shrugs and she's like, well, that's the story she told. So she has just given up so much info to be emotionally manipulated. (laughs) And he says, and we have to live with that? That's the deal? And Arya's like, yeah, at least for now. She just sighs, he looks down, shakes his head, and Arya says, Do you know about Mrs. De Laurentiis? And Ezra says, I know she was murdered, and I thought Shauna did it, but the timing doesn't really work out. I had everything backwards, but once I knew Shauna was following you, and then I saw her in New York dressed like that, well, I knew she was A then. Have you heard from her at all since you've been back? And Arya's like, No. Yeah. And he starts to hobble over to her, he's like fondling his pill bottle, and he says, You have to be careful then. She's clearly still out there. And Arya's like, yeah, well, the cops at Rosewood High and all over town, the cops are at Rosewood High and all over town in case Allie's kidnapper comes back. And he's like, you need to be careful, all of you. And then it's like awkward pause, and she's like, I better go. Yeah. She goes to the door, can't get it open. He tells her it's a new lock. He'll get it for her. <laughs> You're a little too minutes, late with that, Ezra. 20 minutes later, he hobbles over towards her. Uh, <laughs> well, we were just saying he needed to have a uh, change of locks on hand, but too slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she has panic eyes for a moment as he gets near her. Finally, he gets the door, undoes the lock for her. It's like once a it, deadbolt thing. Yeah, once it's unlocked, he leans back a little because it's super awkward. He's just like, um, thanks for coming and letting me see you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I wanted to see you. And he, she steps out in the hallway. The door shuts behind her. There's lots of conflicted emotions on her face. But I love how cold and distant she was of him, though. Yeah. Raise your hands if you think this is Arya's last scene with Ezra in this episode. Yeah. Room full um, of pockets. Who's the more awkward, dumb, significant other in this episode, Ezra or Paige? Let's find out in the next scene. Uh, the next day, <laughs> it's the girls' locker well, it's room. a different kind of awkward. Yeah. It's the girls' locker room for, like, you know, the swimming team. Sydney's in her Rosewood High swimsuit with a towel around her. She comes in the locker room of Emily, who's in her civvies. And Sydney says, I watched your videos, and I'm trying to match your stroke rate. I can't do it. Is she, is she holding? <laughs> I watched your videos. Oh, that that sucked. Man, I gotta work on my holding. See, I haven't heard it in a while. Not a practice. I wish we had like a special hotline that just like the actors could call. Yeah, in. especially like whenever they're just furious about our our impressions. 
what was it the one the other day was like does Ken De Laurentiis and Toby have the same voice? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Toby is Kenneth's illegitimate son or something. Nailed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Sydney says, I watch your videos, I'm trying to match your stroke rate, which so, I, I gotta feel say, like, obviously there's a joke in there somewhere, This right? Every line of dialogue in this scene is like a sexual entendre. And yeah, so I watched like, your videos, mm-hmm. I'm trying to match your stroke rate, mm-hmm. And he's like, my stroke won't work for you. Yes, it will. I can't be not giggle at that. Yeah, yeah. Cindy's like, because you're taller than me. And Emily's like, no, it's not high. It's your ratio. And Cindy's like, of what to what? And Emily's, what's your, your, I don't know, something. Well, what's your eighth index? And and Sydney's like, my what? And Emily says, stand up against the locker. Touch the floor with your middle finger. So Sydney does this. And Emily's like right behind her ass. And she says, okay, now reach up with your other hand and stretch out as far as you can. So Sydney's doing this kind of like, you know, stretching from floor to ceiling here. And Emily's kind of look, she looks up to see like somebody else moves in with their hand, to like mark the spot on the locker where Sydney can reach. It's of Paige. Course. Of course. Paige is, this Paige is trying a new tack now, which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see in a sec. Uh, and Emily's kind of like, she has these like annoyed eyes, but Paige is just like mm, ignoring that. Yeah. And Paige says, now stand up with your back against the locker. And she smiles at Emily. Sydney stands up and Paige is kind of gauging like the difference in, in height there. Uh, and it, it's like the framing is like Sydney's between Emily and Paige now. Mm-hmm. And it's like this shit just like keeps getting more sexual. Cause Paige, yeah. like she keeps on looking over at Emily with like sexy time eyes. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to be her new strategy. Well, and- so. You know, we discovered that Sydney's reach is three inches shy of her height. Sydney and the audience is both like, so. Her uh, eighth page, index is negative three. Yeah, so Paige says, so if you don't have long arms, then don't copy swimmers or do. And then Paige says, Emily has great arms for swimming. Oh, it's they, like, it, like, Emily blushes a little at that. Suddenly, like, Sydney is their child, and Paige and Emily are, like, the divorce couple. Mm-hmm. Only one of them has great hair and a lifestyle blog and a YouTube channel. Uh, Emily's like, just adjust, adjust your stroke rate, which I thought she was talking right to just me. Just adjust your stroke rate. Even Sydney can pick up on how awkward this is. Sydney's like, oh, did you two spend a lot of time together, you know, training? And Emily's like, well, the way she says it, she's like, did you sp- two spend a lot of time together? Training? Let's be honest here. <laughs> and nice little smile from Sydney. Like, she, she's not blind. Right. And Emily's like, not really. And Paige is like, not one on one. And just like, sex eyes at Emily. Mm. Uh, and Emily's like, but we were together. In the pool. And Paige is like, and out. And Emily says, in and out. More sex eyes. Of the pool, says Paige. And Sydney's like, right. I'm going to go change now so you guys can go off and scissor somewhere. And Emily's like, okay. And Paige, like, she kind of looks over, hopefully, at Emily. Uh, but Emily just throws back, like, this, like, annoyed look and takes off. It's like, you don't get it, Paige. Oh, yeah. She gives her, like, oh, what the fuck, Paige? You know, like, look. Paige looks well, unrepentant. I mean, this is this is kind of how I read this. I feel like Paige is like, well, I've decided my new strategy to get you back is to just, like, remind you that you're really into me. It, no, I took it as, as you know, Emily could not be more annoyed at Paige, rightfully so. So Paige thinks that this is her opportunity to partially cock block. Partially no, I, I don't read. I don't read it as that at all. I, well, I, I think, I, but I think it's like she thinks that if she can flirt with Emily in front of others, other people will pick up on this heat, and somehow it'll like, like she's trying to win over other people at what what a great couple they are. I don't know. I, I feel like the way Paige is like playing this to to me the way I read it is 
she's reminding Emily, like, hey, remember how much we like having sex together? I'm going to keep reminding you of that and making sexy eyes at you. Because I know that you're vulnerable to that. And I'm going to see if I can break your resolve, you know? I, I did. Like, you might be emotionally mad at me, but admit it, you're still attracted. Uh, I can see where you would get that from the double entendres of the scene, but I didn't. I didn't get Paige going for such a physical temptation. Well, the the, the way she keeps looking at Emily, like she's just like bedroom eyes constantly. I didn't think it was bedroom eyes. I just thought it was her like flirty eyes. <laughs> um, is there a difference? So in the courtyard, Mona is like sitting at a table, touching her makeup up. Uh, you remember when Allison told her two years ago, "You never go to school without your face on." So mm-hmm. Hannah stands at one of the doors, the big glass windows, and watches Mona. This is Supreme where Hannah face. This is where creepy, suspicious Ezra watched the girls talk about Allison's diary last season. Mm-hmm. So flashback: we're in Hannah's bedroom. Hannah's like looking at herself, like when those like stand-up mirrors. When Mona looks over her shoulder at her, Hannah's trying on a new T-shirt, and Mona's just like abracadabra. Well, Mona's holding the. She's kind of pulling the T-shirt tight on Hannah's stomach. Like Mona's gonna be like all over hannah in the scene like she's oh, totally yeah. like her hands are all over hannah yeah because uh, she's pulling the shirt tight to kind of show off emily's new stomach or i'm sorry hannah's new stomach here mm. uh yeah abracadabra and they both laugh and mona's like rubbing her shoulders and she walks over to hannah's closet and says now we have to do something about this because you need a new wardrobe to match your new silhouette uh, Mona then pulls out one of the tackiest tops I've ever seen in my life. Is this it tackier is like, than the pirate shirt that Hannah's currently wearing? I don't know, but I'll say this thing that, that, that Mona pulls out looks like something that even Elton John wouldn't wear on stage. It looks like something that, like, uh, ah, oh man, okay, you're gonna have to help me out with this. My, my, my Greek knowledge is failing me. Hector's wife? Um, uh, oh, stumped you too. Yeah, shit. Uh, Helena Troy, maybe. Like, this looks like something one of the wives of, like, the Trojans would wear when they're watching their husbands in battle. It has, like, these golden metal, like, kind of epaulets on the no, shoulders. No, this looks like something, like, the uh, the Scientology Navy would wear on their ships. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like Lieutenant Commander Hannah, like the crazy police. Here. I mean, those are, like, sculpted metal, like, shoulder things. They're like um, those, whatever those military things that like, like be very, very important. Apollos, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mona pulls this weird contraption of, of a shirt out, this navy and gold thing. And, uh, Hannah's checking herself out in the mirror and, and Mona's like, Hannah, and she holds up the shirt and Hannah says, that was Allie's. She left it here after her sleepover one night. And Mona's like, we'll try it on. And Hannah's like, it's not going to fit. And Mona's like, try it. So Hannah pulls off her oh, weird pirate super shirt. Super confident, yeah. Uh, revealing she's wearing kind of a nifty little strapless bra there. Mm-hmm. And Mona kind of helps her into the blue top. And Hannah zips it up. And Hannah's like, oh, it fits. And she has this shy little smile. You can tell that, like, secretly, she's, like, super happy. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That Allie's like the, close fitter now. What's well, like, you know, maybe light has returned to the lighthouse. Is how I would describe the look on her face. Um, yeah, Mo- she zips it up. Mona then unzips it. A well, they're more. both they're looking at Hannah in the mirror, like Mona's kind of behind her, and Mona reaches around and then unzips it a little to show off a little of uh, Hannah's bra there, and she's it's like, like it was made for you. Yeah, and she says, "See, everything's better with a friend." And thus, all my fan fiction begins. Oh yeah, this is the OTP right here. Well, Hannah is just beaming as she sees the new her in the mirror, the new version of herself. Uh, in flashback, 
we see we look at Mona now as she's like reflecting on this, like watching watching Mona. Uh, she, it's like she realized that Mona just recreated Allison within her. <laughs> Uh, again, one of these moments I just want to happily, happily mention that Vertigo is my favorite movie. Mm. Uh, so it comes out of Cabin in the Woods. Not Ezra's fuck cabin. This is the one where Ari and this Emily were at last week. The, like, the shed that they claimed that Allie was going to crash at. It's like the, the fake month. crash house, yeah. Yeah. Ari is reporting to Allison. She says that Ezra had heard the story of Allison being kidnapped, and Allison's like, and? Ari says that Ezra won't say anything different if asked. Um, Ari was wearing a dark crimson leather jacket with a white t-shirt under it that has a skull on it with a flower coming out of the skull's mouth. <laughs> of course she does, yeah. Um, Allison says, good. That's one less problem. Does he know about Shauna? Ari says, no. She looks very uncomfortable. Allison says that it's better that he doesn't. Ari's like, look, Mona thinks that you're coming back to Rosewood High. And Allison's just like, does she? Ari says, yeah, yeah, she could really create some trouble if you did. Mona and Ezra know that you weren't kidnapped, Allie. And Allie says, but Ezra doesn't look at the world the way Mona does. Which, in other words, Ezra is looking at the world the wrong way. Also, one of the chief differences, statutory rape. Uh, Allison, sure, sure. Ezra, Ezra's not a bad guy, Arya. He's just... That's <laughs> fucking line. Ezra's not a bad guy, Arya. I, He's just too romantic for his own good. I, I just, I love, oh, I'm sorry, I have to look at this person's name again. Uh, is it Ezra's Eggplant on Twitter who yeah. uh, who wanted us especially to get back to this episode? <laughs> I feel bad sometimes for our Ezria people because uh, it's not like we don't enjoy these characters. <laughs> He's not a bad guy, Arya. He's just too romantic for his own good. It's like, yeah, that must be it. Yeah, he's he's just too romantic. That's probably why you fell for him, she says. Yeah, that, that's probably why you up, fell for him. Arya straight up scoffs. <laughs> I wanted Arya to like vomit right there. <laughs> like, okay, I really don't need you analyzing my personality right now. Besides, and Allie's like, I don't have all day for that. <laughs> She's like, Allison, you couldn't handle Yeah. So she picks up her purse and pulls out a manuscript Arya does. And she says, here, this is what you asked for. Keep it, burn it. I don't care. Do you need anything else? And Ali says, Shauna tried to kill Ezra, and she would have killed all of us if he didn't stop her. And Ari's like, do you need anything else? Well, she's she's not interested in feeling better right now, and she's especially not interested in any kind of catharsis coming from Allison, of all people. Yeah, especially because the, the Ali equation, or the, the Ali component to the Ezra equation there, yeah. is still raw, I think, for, for Arya. She's, she's not really talking about it with Ali, and she probably hates being reminded that Allie does have this like her own connection to, well, to Ezra. <laughs> it's like it's not enough that Arya should hate Ezra for lying to her and like spying on her and her friends and profiting off their lives or whatever. But mm. now it's complicated by the fact that Allison's just basically scooted in and cheapened it all even more. He's not a bad guy, Arya. He's just too romantic for his own good. Well, just on top of it. That's probably why you fell for him. <laughs> Your Honor, I'm just too romantic for my own good. Well, I feel like he like looks back at his lawyer, who's Peter Hastings, and just winks at him. Gold mine. <laughs> um, sorry, he's again just like, do you need anything else? Allison picks up on you know the fact that this is not going to work right now. She says no, so Arya leaves. Um, yeah, Ellie just looks sad. 
This is an interesting, interesting episode because we get a lot of like two-hander scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, after the commercial, we're back in Philadelphia at that building where Jason was. Last the week. shittiest part of Philadelphia. Yeah, Hannah and Emily walk up again just as Hobo Joe walks out. Uh, he recognizes them, teases them. The, the, the vagrant from the last episode. Yeah, yeah, who may be missing all of his teeth. He teases them, asking if they're still looking for a sub. Hey, you girls looking for a sublet still? Yeah, they uh. They're a little more confident this time. Emily says that they, they weren't really honest of him last time that he well, was there. And course, Hobo Joe is just like, no shit. Of course, Emily has to lead off with the apology. You know, yeah, she's, yeah. Oh, Emily Fields. Also, I baked you cookies. Yeah. Make he, up for this lie. He walks. He's like, oh, no kidding. Walks past him. And Hannah's like, you make a good watchdog, Arnie. I was talking to your friend who owns a pizza shop down the street. He says that you're a regular customer and a good tipper. Well, he just kind of... St- Pop, like freezes and turns around yeah and emily's like three pies two three times a week and it's like feeding an army in there and emily's like what kind of army orders all that pizza and no beer to go with it like Hashtag they're totally doing PML army they're totally doing good cop bad cop here right yeah like hannah's a bad cop and emily's oh, a good cop these girls shrug they're using their like teenage crazy sleuth powers on him <laughs> This is this is True Detective season five, right? Yeah, it's everything they learned from watching uh, Roma Mafia and Detective <laughs> Holbrook operate. Wait, who's who? And, uh, is, is Hannah Tanner? Uh, Hannah's Tanner. Yeah, yeah, because Emily's the, or well, yeah, Hannah's Hannah's a bad cop. Emily's a good cop here, so that yeah, that works out. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And so Arnie here, he turns around, he's like, "What do you want?" And Emily says, "We're we're looking for a friend. His name is Jason." I need to make amends for something. Are your old drinking bodies? I like how she says that. It's like that's that's her hook. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm gonna like throw some like program bullshit at you. Yeah, yeah, the meeting culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Oh, an old drinking buddy of his. Uh, is that what this is?" And Emily says, "This is where Jason came to get sober when he said he was at Clark." And Hannah's like, "When he? You know, when was he here?" And he, like, Arnie just kind of looks down and sighs now. And Emily and Hannah are both just, like, eyebrows raised, like a bunch of badasses. Yeah. Um, I wanted them to, like, do that thing where they jump up in the air and high-five. Uh, let's <laughs> go to the dealer at his home. Jason walks in the living room with Spencer. He's just like, my dad's not here. And Spencer's like, you're the one I want to see. Because, of course, who wants to see your dad, Jason? He's probably one of the few people who who's more needlessly weird than you. No um, one wants to see me. I, I have, have no, no hope, hope for friends. Yes. Uh, Jason's packing up all his stuff, and Spencer's like, "Are you leaving?" And Jason's like, "Funeral's over. Mom's gone. Dad doesn't need me. If anybody wants me, they'll find me." <laughs> Whatever, Jason. Spencer says, "Look, what happened to your mother?" And Jason's like, "My mother had a lot of secrets. Too many. That's what really killed her." I, I, I would have so many more questions about that statement. Yeah, Spencer's like, and Allison? And Jason says, Allison. Yeah, I come into this room and I see her sitting at the piano, catch a glimpse of her going around the corner upstairs, and I think to myself, this is what it's like to live in a haunted house. I decided I didn't like that. Uncharacteristically deep from Jason DeLaurentis. And kind of mean. Yeah. Like, in your fucking face, Allie. Yeah. Uh, Spencer just, like, narrowing her eyes, and she holds out a folded up piece of paper, and she says, I think you need to see this. He takes it and look at it, looks at it. It's that email printout from Jessica that I can't protect you anymore. Mm. Spencer says, your mother wrote this the night she died, and it doesn't matter how he got it. And Jason's like, oh, I got a pretty good idea how he got it. Well, especially after his confrontation of Hannah in the previous episode, yeah. And Spencer's like, tries and fails to look contrite there. <laughs> yeah. 
So cut back to Emily and Hannah driving back to Philly. Uh, Emily's driving. Some like kind of weird electronic music's playing in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and Hannah says, if Mrs. De Laurentiis didn't send that email to Jason, then who is it for? Because they, they have their own knowledge now. They just gathered. Mm. And Emily says, all we know for sure is it wasn't Jason. He was at that dry out place with no less than a half dozen people the night his mom died. And we were in New York. Well, I want Hannah to be like, why are you telling me that? I was just there with you. Yeah. And Hannah's like, so he's in the clear. Emily says, you sound disappointed. And Hannah's like, no, I mean, a little. I just thought we had something. So Hannah kind of looks out the window, looks Probably off. at her own reflection. Music starts playing louder, and we go into another flashback. This is the scene that plays in most high school like, TV shows or movies in some <laughs> sort of fashion. Even that hideous movie Jawbreaker for Rose McGowan oh, has this scene. Uh, I think the TV show Popular was probably built around this scene, as was Mean Girls. So it had a significant yeah. portion of it. Well, this. This, is, this scene's going to be done in slow motion. We start with just legs. Uh, legs and high heels, rounding Instagram the corner. Instagram slow motion, yeah, yeah, and we see they're like kind of POV shots of like these random like chicks in the hall, kind of looking up, like, some, oh, what's uh, this? Some some atrociously ugly extras too. Uh, I, that's kind of mean. I mean, they, they, it's some not they're not made up. Ugly extras. Wow. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> Judgy Marco. Yeah. Uh. So we even see the re- the reactions of flashback Spencer and flashback Emily. Yeah. Well. So so we see these POVs like various girls looking up, kind of like, "What's this?" And then we see we we haven't seen their faces yet, but obviously this is Hannah and Mona. Uh, Mona reaches over and takes Hannah's hand, mm-hmm. and they're walking in slow motion down the hallways, like everyone's stopping to stare, at, like the new queen bees here. Right. Uh. Like, Hannah and Mona are, like, both looking at each other. Like, Mona is totally, like, making, like, bedroom eyes at Hannah here. And the world, yeah. Yeah. They're just, like, looking at each other. And then they're just, like, it's like they're walking down a runway. Their hair is blowing in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just, like, turning as they go by. Uh, yeah, Spencer and Emily, they're, like, looking up. Like, whoa. Well, but Hannah's indifferent because it's who she is now. She's finally gotten what she wants. Well, she just kind of shoots a look at them and keeps walking. Yeah. Well, it's like she's kind of like lost her soul in the process of becoming Queen Bee. She should be ecstatic in this moment, but she's not She's not there. Oh, uh, it should be mentioned the whole time the soundtrack is playing a song called Babes, I think is what the name of the song uh, well, is. It's the, you keep hearing a mention of killer babes and then mm-hmm. like girls, 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 killer babes. Killer babes, yeah. Yeah, it's Babes by Icky Blossoms. Um, Everything's in slow motion. It's super awesome. Side note, the guy who directed Jawbreaker also directed a movie called Gay Best Friend, which featured one Sasha Peters. Petersa. Works for me, too. Also, and other side note, Jawbreaker is a terrible movie. Uh, if you ever want to see Marilyn Manson having doggy style sex with Rose McGowan, there it is. There you go. Uh, so in flashback, babes. we're back in Emily's cars, uh, Killer Babes. Um, Emily's driving, Hannah's reflecting, Hannah's seeming super vulnerable. Asked Emily, what was it like to come out? And well, Emily's this is like, like the part in the episode where you're like, whoa, where are they going now? Yeah, Emily's like, where is this coming from? But Benzo. Hannah says, I just never really asked you. I mean, what was it like to stop being one thing and then be something else? And Emily's like, well, I wasn't becoming someone, something else. I was becoming who I really am. And Hannah says, you always knew? And Emily's like, well, I couldn't admit it. And Hannah's like, but you knew. And Emily's like, yeah. And Hannah's like, not me. I never knew who the hell I was. And then she, oh, which yeah. is so bleak and heavy and like Jesus. Like she stares out the window. Emily kind looks over. Emily has to pick up on now the fact that Hannah's going through some heavy shit. 
Well, and also, Emily's, I mean, somewhere in the back of Emily's mind, she's got to be thinking, are we going to fuck now? <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. You know, you know that, like, part of her brain exploded when Hannah was like, what was it like to come out? And he's like, uh, mm, what? Jeez. Where's this coming from? Hannah, I used to sleep in your room. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's interesting, too, because Emily is talking very We know much. Emily has a thing for blondes. Yeah, she's talking very much from her singular perspective uh, what it was like for her to become who she really is, to shed the the facade of the Emily that everyone else wanted her to be. I feel like Hannah, though, is still talking about not who she really is, her her experience. She's talking about the perception. What was it like from, from Hannah's thinking more of what, what was it like to become, you know, this thing that other people saw? I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting. Obviously, Hannah's very conflicted and very down on herself right now. Well, she's like, I never knew who the hell I was. Like, and question the core of who she is. And, and well, I mean, cause I mean, she's, she went from Allison to Mona. Well, I, I, I think what she's realizing is that like Mona kind of like created her new persona mm-hmm. and she went along with it, but like, what does she do now? Like the you know, Allie's back now. So who is she? Well, and but also, how much can she be happy with and trust herself when this foundation of what she's based on is kind of a lie? Because obviously, Mona had some kind of other intentions when she well, created new new Hannah. Well, and for a while, you, you kind of thought maybe Mona's in love with with Hannah, and I, that's certainly a possibility. But there's a weird subtext to it now that we're kind of seeing that like. Mona basically recreated Hannah in Allie's image. Well, and it's like, why did you do that exactly? Hannah's going to nail that on the head in a few yeah. scenes. Uh, we've got to Allison's living room. Spencer's still talking to Jason, who's looking at Mrs. D's email. And Spencer says, The timestamp means that your mother wrote that two hours after the last time anybody saw her at that police station. And she never finished writing it. She never even entered an address for whom she meant to send it. And Jason's like, Maybe she changed her mind. Spencer's like, what would make her do that? It's like Spencer has no concept of <laughs> changing one's mind. Jason gets up, and he's like, what would make you change your mind? And Spencer says, a message like that? It would have to be something that I'd want to deliver personally. So she got up from her computer. She walked out the front door. She went to go tell somebody that Allie was alive and that things were falling apart faster than anybody could fix them. And Jason's like, too bad she never got to give the message. This is the kind of scene where I expected, like, a red dot to appear on Jason's forehead, and Seriously. then he's suddenly shot. Well, he's like getting up to leave, yeah. And Spencer's like, "What if she did? Maybe that person, the person she's writing to, the one she couldn't protect anymore. Maybe that's who killed her." Jason's like, "Any idea who that could be?" And Spencer's like, "Yeah, tons of ideas, all of them pretty nasty." Nice. It's like Spencer's like, "I have a whole list of potential suspects in my brain, just in case I need them." Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jason says, "There's a creaky saying here a lot at meetings." Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Which is like, do you need to ask that to Spencer? Like, being right makes Spencer happy. Yeah. He, She's well, like, there's a, that's a one-way equation there. Well, she likes to be right, and she can't abide by things being hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hands her back that folded-up email. Spencer says, I don't have a choice. I don't have that choice. I never did. He tells her to cut her losses, get out while she still can. Spencer shakes her head no. Well, it's like can't just stop, won't this stop. determined shaking of her head. She's just like, mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> well, it's a little bit that, and it's a little bit like she's compelled. I think by Spencer's by Spencer's mind, it's not just her own internal Spencerness. It's also like like the fates won't let her turn back. 
Yeah, but I mean, this is, I mean, this is who Spencer is. She's like, no, no, I'm not going to cut my losses, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, then remember, you can't trust him. Spencer's like, I can't trust who? And Jason says, our father. So she's like, fuck. Again? Well, nice bomb for you to throw, Jason, as you like leave this scene. You're just like, ha catch this grenade. Well, this is where PLO subverts your expectations because typically if they follow the pattern, he would have been like Melissa. Yeah, Melissa Hastings. Or CC. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the commercial, we're in Ezra's place. Ezra's standing there with his cane, looking at his guest, who we see is Allison De Laurentiis. Right there in the Fitz Palace. So she's looking at one of his posters, and she says, I'm glad you're on that roof. You saved us. Thank you. And Well, she's he- so, like, matter-of-fact in this scene. It's like, she totally holds the power here in this conversation, even though well, he's got, like, eight years on her, at least. Well, he's he's trying to. He's trying to be very cold, or he's just like, you're welcome. He's trying to be... Basically, he's trying to treat her basically like Arya just treated him. But he's failing because Allie totally controls the scene. Yeah. And Allie says, we were scared that you were going to die, Ezra. And he's like, so was I. And she's like, I'm glad you didn't. And he says, why are you here, Allison, with that? And he looks over and she picks up the manuscript off the coffee table there. And Allie says, Arya, let me read it. I was looking for something. He's like, did you find it? And Allie says, not all of it. Not what I need to know if I'm going to stay alive. And she kind of stares at him for a beat, and then she's like, there's more, isn't there? Yeah, she picks up on that. And Ezra just makes, like, weaselly faces. Yeah. And Allie's like, all the watching, all the listening that you did, you didn't destroy all of it. You couldn't have. And he's like, if there was anything left, the only thing preventing me from burning it is a possibility that it would help Arya. If she would let me help. Poor sad pedo. Yeah. And Allie says, well... Then you better keep it in a safe place. She heads for the door, and I think very notably... Well, she she dumps the manuscript back in her bag. Yeah. Very notably, as she heads to the door, she unlocks the the new deadbolt that stymied Arya. She unlocks it, like, almost unconsciously. I like, wanted her... It, it's not... It's like, she's so familiar with it. It's not a, an impediment at all. Oh, not for her, no. I want her to turn back and be like, Oh, and Ezra? You're a bad writer. You're really terrible. Um, Ezra says, did Arya know that you were coming here? Allison kind of stops in the doorway, looks back at him. She says no. And he's like, tell her. And she's well, like. She's, she's like, absolute honesty. And he's like, that's all I've got left. And Allie, like, I love the way she delivers this. She's like, I hope it's enough. It's <laughs> just like, just so condescending and just like, hmm. Yeah, I hope it's enough. Well, so she leaves. We watch as like, because she, when she opened the door, like the light shone on Ezra's face. As she leaves, the door shuts. The like Ezra's like basically like left mm-hmm. in the darkness in the sad pedo apartment. This whole scene to me was acted out, written like, and shot like it could have seamlessly fit into the black and white episode. Well, like Ezra has to process like somehow a teenager just pulled a power move on me, and then she dissed my relationship skills. Yeah, to, to recap in this recap, this is a guy who went on several dates with a high school girl who told him that she was a college student. He then wanted to write a book about her disappearance. He started to date her friend, also a high school girl, got a job at their school, somehow did not end up with either of these women romantically, <laughs> and he was shot in the stomach after being found out for the bad writer and horrible fraud that he was. Mm-hmm. Also, all he's got left now is absolute honesty. And painkillers. <laughs> Lots of painkillers. He's like, thank God for Norco. Ezra, we should bro down. So, so like, would you be a guest on the uh, Bad Sad Dads podcast? 
Well, he's not a dad anymore. That's true. <laughs> but Byron's like, also, you're off the podcast. <laughs> I'm bringing in Peter Hastings. That guy is A-plus material. I feel uh, like Peter would just take that podcast over. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> This podcast is now about scotch. Scotch and salt. <laughs> Byron or yeah, Byron's like, are, are we going to talk about parenting at all? And Peter's just like, <laughs> let me tell you about the cigar I got. <laughs> no, Byron's just going to be like, uh, Peter, you're just you're just staring at me rather rather <laughs> intently. This is an audio medium. People can't see the the terrifying look you're giving me. Okay, oh, really? Done. Oh, really, Byron? I believe you can. <laughs> A podcast that conveys the sound of uh, Chad Lowe peeing himself in fear. <laughs> um, I like that <laughs> Chad Lowe directed an episode. We can talk shit about Byron. Well, how many episodes have we had now where like, it's a Chad Lowe joint, but he's not even in the episode? It's probably easier. Is I it? Mean, I know, I know, like, the, if I remember correctly, like a lot of the episodes of, like Next Generation, you know, like John from Frakes, if he directed, he tried not to be in the episodes that much. I mean, a part of me, I assume that it's less about that and more of a budget thing. Because, I mean, they, I'm sure they can only afford so many of their, like, kind of guest stars at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we're going to have, like, Peter Hastings and, like, Principal Hackett and, uh, like, Jason DeLaurentis, like, and Kenneth, like, we can only afford so many parents at once. That's, I think that's why the parents almost never all show up together. Oh, well, I'm sure it's that's like a the case. Thing. That's yeah. the case, too, plus the various schedules and what have you. But I think mm-hmm. also it's probably easier from an actor's standpoint, if you're going to be directing, to not also have to be acting and doing your blocking while working. I don't know. I, fe- I feel like it's like if you're the, the, the acting director there, you got to give yourself one scene. I mean, like, like Slatterly on Mad Men, he always gives himself like a, a scene or two. He doesn't feature himself, but. You kind of want to get well, that one. But in there. I, I was just going to say Mad Men as an example. It's a little bit different. Like when John Hamm and, and Slatterly like like direct episodes, they're a little more integral to the show mm-hmm. than Byron Montgomery. Yeah, true, true, true. He's just he's just in Syracuse doing Syracuse stuff. Um, so that's Syracuse re- for re- a while. Yeah, Emily Hannah walk in. Well, I love out of town never, being an art history professor. I love that they never literally bring up. Oh yeah, my dad got that job. It's just he's always just in Syracuse. Lecturing. Well, it's like he's like a guest lecturer or something. I don't know. Constantly, consistently. Yeah. Um, at the Ruindo Brew, Emily and Hannah walk in. Emily asks if Hannah wants food, and Hannah says that she just wants coffee. And Emily's like, "You're gonna have coffee this late?" And Hannah's like, seven tenths of my body is made up of caffeine. I have to maintain a consistent level." She learned that from Spencer. Yeah, she, Hannah looks over and sees Mona sitting there on the couch in the liar's nook. And Hannah's like, hey, order for me. And so she walks over to Mona. Mona looks up. And Mona's like, hi there, girly girl. Yeah. And Hannah's like, I need to ask you a question. And Mona well, says, Emily flashes her a look as she leaves. Again, <laughs> Emily, was there any point where Emily's just like, hey, Hannah, are you okay? <laughs> are you hurt or are you injured, Hannah? Exactly. Uh, and so Mona says, shoot, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> She's so delightfully glib. <laughs> and it says, when you and I were going through the Glamour Boot Camp together, you knew Allie was alive. Mona's like, is that what she told you? And Hannah's like, well, it's the truth, isn't it? And it's great how Mona, she never gives an inch with her secrets. Like, she's no. a fantastic liar. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe Allie is. Uh, but it's like she never, she's never going to even acknowledge it, even though they're like, we know you're lying. She's just like, hmm, do you? Yeah. Uh, and so she scoffs and closes her iPad. And Mona says, the point is she was gone. That could either cre- create a hole or an opportunity for you and me to help each other up the pyramid. 
And Hannah's like, you didn't help me. You changed me. You made me dye my hair. You made me wear her clothes. You made me walk like her, talk like her. And Mona's like, and exactly how much pushback did I get from you on that? And Hannah's like, Allie was gone, but you wanted her back. Why? See, that is like the the most interesting line about uh, everything that we learned from from Mona's <laughs> involvement in A's for Answers yeah. since then. Uh, and we talked about this even back, I believe it was like, what, season three, episode one, when uh, Mona hallucinates that Allison is there in her room oh, around yeah. with her. Mm-hmm. That look that, that well, passes between the two of them. I mean, you know, there's a little of a, you know, you all hate and love the ones you hate. But then I, I feel like also Mona always wanted to be friends with Allie. I mean, she was chasing Ari and Allie way back in the pilot. You well, know, like, wait the, up, guys. The, she wanted the, to sit at their table in the first secret. The hallucination, I believe that they said it was, and unmasked at the end when mm-hmm. Mona's and Radley and, and I did everything you told me to do. It was always like, I know this is really off topic, but again, the keyest moment from the Venture Brothers for me was when that scene where, where uh, the monarch has broken into the venture compound yet again, <laughs> and he's got that robot with Dr. Venture's face on it, and he starts to have sex with the robot. And I thought, well, this really reveals a lot of it, a lot about this antagonism and where its core is. And then they just kind of brush it off like it was nothing, like it was just like a domination thing. When really, I thought like you might really be grasping at the motives of these these characters. But oh yeah, I, things I, are I complicated. Think, I think Mona, like she really wanted to be part of that group. She wanted to be Allie's friend because mm-hmm. Allie was the queen bee, and she. She maneuvered Allie out of the picture and then made Hannah her new Allie. Uh, but again, and- these are these are teenagers, so it's like things that they yearn for. They don't always know how to express yeah, those yeah. cravings. But yeah, Mona. So Mona or Hannah says Allie was gone, but she wanted her back. Why? And Mona says reality check. And she like she kind of stands up a little here. Says reality check. You didn't like being hefty Hannah any more than I liked being loser Mona. How about a little gratitude? Mm-hmm. And it's like, gratitude for what? And Mona's getting feisty now. She says, if, if I hadn't given you the alley upgrade, where would you be? And it's like, I'd still be me. But she and, looks devastated. Yeah. And Mona's like, and who remembers her? Not even you. Oh, yeah. It's just ice cold, like existential diss. Yeah. And Mona bounces and we get some major Hannah face here. The Chadlow special. Well, yeah. Then, yeah. She Hannah face. Uh, but like, see, it's, you're right. It's like Allison's back. So that part that that Hannah thought she fulfilled is no longer needed, but it's not so like she can retreat. Yeah, she yeah. cannot retreat though because she's starting to look at everything that she was on top of it. It's like basically like this spectrum of Hannah is crumbling from both sides, and there mm-hmm. may not be anything in the middle. Um, so Arya's bedroom we cut to Spencer's having an episode of her own. She's like talking to Arya. She paces. Which man, if you're having issues, don't go to Arya. Um, Spencer says well, that Emily Spari action here. It's true. Uh, Emily texted her from a car that Jason has an alibi from when they were in New York. Arya says, Jason actually told you that you shouldn't trust your own father? Did you notice like, that Arya is wearing a... Uh, padlock? A padlock around, like, like just chains around her neck. Yeah, I, I noticed it here, and I'm like, what the fuck is she wearing? It looks like the kind of chain you would use as, like, a like a choke chain for a dog. Uh, yeah, the chain itself, the padlock, I guess, would go... Well, yeah, I yeah, and you know. Oh, like, Arya. Is You're Arya so fashionable. Like, is it really a question about the, the Jason telling you you shouldn't trust your own father, or is it just like she's just sticking to Spencer more? 
And so she's like, well, no, more than that. He made it seem like Mrs. D was writing to my dad. I can't protect you anymore. And That's, like, That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like, well, crazy, as you know, around here works on a sliding scale. <laughs> I mean, look, I know that I didn't have to, I didn't kill that girl in Allie's grave. I know that. And Arya's like totally naughty. And Arya's like, yeah, I know what it, what it feels like to kill someone. Mm. And Spencer says, but I can't prove it. And I really think my parents don't believe me. Arya's like, they wouldn't do anything about that, would they? And Spencer says, that's a very interesting question. And I will have to get back to you. On oh, it. I, I love that. I love that. I love her line reading on it. It's perfect. And Spencer kind of sits down on Arya's little like window seat area. Uh, Arya sighs. And Spencer says, I'm so sorry you had to go talk to Ezra. And Ari says, yeah, well, we had to know what he was going to say about New York. And she sits down next to Spencer and Spencer says, but somebody else could have gone and done that. Ari's like, no, not really. Spencer says, are you okay? Do you need anything? And Ari says, yeah, I need to know that it didn't happen. Shauna in the theater, but it did. But it did. And then just this very kind of sweet teen warrior moment here. Spencer puts her arms around Ari and they both kind of rest their heads against each other. Mm -hmm. You're big, but you're little. Mm hmm. Oh, I was just flashing back in my mind to the, I think it's the homecoming episode. I know that it's over. I, I know, know that. that. <laughs> um, I got this haircut for you. <laughs> and then she ignites her little red lightsaber. <laughs> Scalps them. It's treason then. So Rose in the streets at night. This seems amazing. Allison's like walking along by herself. Someone calls out to her. They say, Allison? Well, Allison's about to turn down an alleyway when she's interrupted by Peter Hastings. Hey dark alley if you will uh yes. she stops spooked looks over it's peter hastings he's like i thought it was you i wasn't sure and she's like hello mr hastings and he's like how are you doing you hold well, like, up what was allison planning on doing in that alley well it gets the way more... the way ali's shifting around it's almost like he's just interrupted her from something but i think it's meant to be played as we the audience need to be worried that peter's gonna murder allison here this is what's happening right now it's episode three of a 12 episode half season and they're like hey everyone we're gonna throw you this suspect for a while we want you to be suspicious of peter hastings for a while yeah but at the same time i'm wondering like what were you what were you planning on doing there ali well like you said you can't trust allison even when she's telling the truth yeah so peter's like how are you you holding up and ali's like oh i'm fine thanks and he's like that's good Good, good. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised to see you out here all by yourself. Well, she she starts looking around nervously, which makes him start looking around nervously. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I can't hide in my room forever. Even if I'm still scared, I have to go out or get out or else I never will. And he's like, yeah, but you have the police at your house, right? And he's like, I do. But I know my way around this town better than any cop. I can get out if I want to. And he's like, yeah. Maybe, but uh, under the circumstances, I think it'd be a good idea if I give you a ride home. She just kind of like appraises him. Yeah, it's like she's just like, hmm. But yeah, all this just, it's like red herring, you know. She, but she knows her way around this town better, better than, than any, any cop. cop. Mm -hmm. Better than Officer Barry Maple? Well, he did have a concussion, so. True. I'm not really true. sure what the damage was. Yeah, yeah. Um. So after the commercial, you know, Emily's getting out of the car in front of her house. Then she sees... There's Paige sitting on her front step. And Paige Emily's is just, just like, looking gloomy. Yeah. Paige is like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Emily, like, walks up to the house. She asks, you know, Paige if, if, you know, Pam knows that she's out there. And Paige says yes. That Pam says she could wait outside. Or wait inside. But Paige told her she'd be okay out here. 
page stands. I'm all about pans, just like you can wait outside. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my daughter. You're not page welcome. Says, Your mom knows we're fighting. And Ellie's like, we're not fighting. We're done fighting. And Ooh. Paige is like, well, which makes us what? And Ellie's like, we go to the same school. We used to be teammates. Maybe we'll be friends. That, that's uh, a deep cut there. Paige, Paige, is, Paige about, is fighting tears now. She's about to start a teary-eyed monologue. She This monologue is delivered like an actor's about to deliver a monologue. Where she's just like, I practice what I'm going to say to you. Did you know that? And Emily just says she could not give a fucking shit. Basically, Paige says that she... Well, she let's herself. give her the full monologue. She says, I talked to myself the whole way over here. I'm pretty convincing. Then I get to this porch and I forget everything. All I can say is, I love you. Like, if I say it just right, it'll fix things. Somehow you'll hear it differently this time and everything will be all right. But, like, this totally isn't winning Emily back here. And Emily's just like, I'm sorry. And Paige is like, that doesn't sound very good. I better go. But she walks off. And Emily's kind of working this over. You know, it's like she wants to say something she's not sure how to say. And finally, she's like, Paige. And she says, you deserve the best of everything. And Paige says, that's what I had. Uh, but it's like, no, Paige, you, you didn't. Like, if you did, Emily wouldn't have had all the power in the relationship. So, yeah, she walks off, basically. Like, you thought you had the best of everything, but you were totally a doormat in that relationship. And that was the whole problem. Paige walks off, basically, go kick, like, a trash can to death. Yeah, she's going to go, like, just on a a rampage. Well, I think it's fascinating, though, too. This relationship can be not so much divisive, although I guess it does definitely have those quarters on the internet, but that certain people can see it completely, so subjectively, one way, and others can see it another way. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, this shippers, as like a know. very toxic relationship. At the moments that these, these two characters were together, they were not good for each other. That could change in the future. But it was like, yeah, Paige kept putting Emily on a pedestal, giving her all the power. Emily kept just shitting off that pedestal and <laughs> kept landing on Paige. And Paige was telling herself that it was like the most glorious like reign in the world. I mean, well, I think a lot of that's just like the the shippers which i don't know like i can't say i really am particularly rooting for any relationship on the show like I, I really like you just want the scene to be well written you know like there's like an emotional truth to the scene when they're apart and you know even when they're together like when they had that little dance at the end of the hoedown like those are both like the right scene you know whether like whether or not they're together or apart you just want it to to ring true and like make sense like the it, the thing was, the thing I would hate is if like suddenly a character's like totally acting against their own personality because it's like in the plot that they're supposed to get with this personality. Like that drives me crazy. Well, I think I think the similarities between the Paige and Emily relationship are the same similarities uh or, or some the similarities are between that and like the Ezria relationship where a lot of people view Arya and Ezra as like true perfect love. Mm-hmm. And it's like no, it's incredibly incredibly creepy there's some well promo episodes I, very recently. I, I feel like you if, if you want though you can say like yes it's totally creepy but like they are really in love like i think those two qualities can both exist at the but same time the two scenes you're talking about from the hoedown episode were perfect in that it's like for a moment there they acknowledge this relationship is not going to work out mm-hmm. and it's like but then they like they kind of like what well, we have right now right now in this moment we don't want to fight we want to be together and it's like, again, one of them is fooling themselves and the other is fooling themselves even more. And um, now Paige is going to go knock over all the trash cans on the street. But I mean, I, I like the fact that 
the characters, you don't have to root for these characters to work things out for it to be interesting drama. Yeah. You know? Um, unless it's that Alex guy from season one. Oh, fuck that, that guy. guy can go to hell. <sighs> um, Spencer's Kitchen. Peter Hastings comes in. He's got like a white folded up bag in his hand. <laughs> uh, he heads to the fridge and he's startled by a voice that says, where have you been at this hour, young man? Peter's busted because Spencer is over on the couch, like glaring crazy eyes at him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Like, like they're, oh man, every Spencer Peter scene is just perfect. Like, yeah. the writing is so good. Like, these two, you really get the feeling like if, if they both survive another 10 years, they're going to have like great conversations with each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when they're uh-huh. both like fully adults, like, it, it would be fascinating to see that. It's going to be a conversation that happens uh, when the sun is rising and they're on a yacht drinking scotch, both of them wearing scarves and maybe captain's hats. Um, Peter's like, okay, hear me out. Pretzels that I will share with you if you don't tell your mother. Deal. <laughs> this is some family negotiations. Peter's like, the world's in a sorry state. Why do I have to make a secret out of eating salt? <laughs> Spencer joins him at the kitchen island and she sets that email printout down on the counter and she says, Mrs. Dillarentis wrote this the night that she died after she got back from the police station. She never sent it. I think she wanted to deliver it in person, and that's why she's dead. And Peter just, like, nods, and he folds the paper back up. Spencer's like, is this a magic trick? Are you going to make it disappear? He's, he's just, like, making it tinier and tinier. And he's like, this doesn't mean anything. Everything means something, Dad. Who was she trying to protect, and why did she suddenly feel like she had to stop? Was it because Allison was alive? Who was well, she so writing to? Melissa, out of nowhere, as Melissa says, leave him alone. And then Melissa cruises in to join them. And Spencer's like, we're having a conversation. A wonderful conversation. You're involving deals for eating pretzels, which now I want a pretzel. Yeah. Melissa's like, I know what your idea of a conversation is. (laughs) Melissa grabs the email away from Spencer. Before Spencer can grab it. She unfolds it, she reads Oh, yeah, it. I like how Spencer reaches it, but Melissa gets it first, because the big sister, you know, she's always going to get it first. Right. Well, it's like Spencer realized too late that Melissa's going to go for it, and Peter, as Melissa's opening up, he's like, don't worry about that. Once <laughs> Melissa has read it, she starts to tear it up, like well, Cersei Lannister. Well, like, with the most supreme bitch face. Yeah, this is a totally Cersei Lannister move. And such as like, oh, that's a grand gesture, but it doesn't amount to anything in a digital age. This woman was crazy, Melissa says, and Spencer says she was crazy and afraid. And Peter's like, enough, both of you. People are dead, you two are acting like cranky little five-year-olds on the way back from the beach. No more friendly fire. Have I made myself clear? But Papa Hastings here, he's laying down the law on his troops. Well, so, first of all, people are dead. Ezra's not a bad guy, Arya. <laughs> people are dead. Also, are there... I, I imagine there's tons of fan fiction out there called Friendly Fire about the Hastings family, right? That's a great title. I feel like at any moment, Peter could just, like, dispatch his daughters to go be, like, assassins in Europe if he needed to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's basically Raja Cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Pennsylvania. Um, and Melissa's like, Dad, well, maybe which we one's, should... Which one's Nissa and which one's... Um, Talia? Talia. We might be here all night debating yeah. that. Um, so Melissa's like, Dad, maybe we should tell her. And Peter's like, no, don't. Uh, Peter's, super serious. Peter's looking very intently at Melissa. And Spencer is just like, what the fuck? You yeah. know? And Peter's like, Spencer, go upstairs. She's like, what? And he's like, go upstairs. And she's like, you got to be kidding me. And he says, do I look like I'm kidding? Suppress the urge. 
it suppressed the urge. Melissa says, maybe that's a good idea, Spencer. Like, she's she's doing, like, the sisterly voice now, you know? Spencer's like, what is going on? And Melissa's like, it's complicated. Somewhere, like, Caleb needs to, like, pop out of the fireplace and be like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> that is me and Hannah's line. Uh, so Melissa says it's complicated. And Peter's like, no, actually, it's simple. You can't lie about something you don't know anything about. Spencer actually, Ooh. like, this gets her. She looks freaked out now and, like, almost heads to the stairs. And She's Rick like, I didn't know stairs. I could be more paranoid than I already was, and yet somehow I am. Well, there's a great other as, as Spencer's gone, Peter grips the counter, looks down, and, like, a very timid Melissa's watching him. Um, I think the question that the viewer slash listener has to ask themselves is, you know, say that one of, one or more of your family members has murdered somebody, possibly to protect you, and then one or more of your family members colluded with someone else to cover it up. Is that really such a big deal? Well, I'm like, just shout out to Nolan North. Like, he, it's amazing he doesn't get more work as an actor. Like, he, he's like, I mean, he's a, like video game voice actor. He like crushes every game he does. Yeah. And then he's, he's also like secretly on a show that none of his video game fans even knows exists. Right. He's totally crushing it as Peter Hastings. Like, I, I just feel like this guy deserves well, some recognition. We've been kind of joking about the fact that, that this weekend that we're recording, which we're recording the day after the PLL season five rap party, Keegan Allen is at a comic convention in Reno, Nevada. Why the fuck is it Nolan North there? <laughs> like, do comic convention people want to pre-order the photo book from an actor on Pretty Little Liars? Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it's just, it's amazing that like, Nolan North has all these video game fans who had no idea that he's like regularly crushing it whenever he's on PLL. Right. And then the Pretty Little Liars fans have no idea that he's like the Tom Hanks of video games. Right, right. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good title, Tom Hanks of video mm-hmm. games. Uh, I think whenever we do sit down and really hash out the uh, the PLL video game, we need to have a special role for Peter Hastings. Hmm. That's, yeah. D- don't we? I mean, is, yeah. I mean that'd be like, that's a no-brainer. Um, so meanwhile... Fitz Palace. Yeah, Ezra's place. Arya's there. Arya wanted to Arya's warn- back because she is a moth to the flame. Mm-hmm. She wanted to warn Ezra that Allison might stop by, but she didn't think that Allison would move so fast. So Ezra's sitting now because he won't stay. He won't sit when Allison's there, but he'll sit when Arya's there. And Ezra's like, "Oh God, here we go." He says, "I just heard a knock on the door, and I thought it might be you." I don't know why. I honestly thought I would never see you again. If only. And Arya's like, "Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing." But here I am once again, back at the scene of a crime. <laughs> and Ezra's like, there's no crime here. Not the way I see it. <laughs> it's like, hey, Ezra, you should really act as your own lawyer at the trial and, and try that one on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no crime I, here, Your Honor. Not the way I see it. I will be defending myself. And then DA Marsha Clark just like starts like bawling or, <laughs> or rolling over of laughter. Who would the judge in the Pretty Little Liars world be? Like, who, oh, who plays that character? For some reason, I keep thinking of uh, Stalker Channing. Huh. Stalker Channing, I feel like, would be, like, if you went slightly more known actors, she would probably be, like, the Veronica Hastings. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. You know? Like, in the world where, like, Martin Sheen plays Peter Hastings. Ooh, could could Martin Sheen be the judge? Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, is it just going to be like Emilio Estevez? Is he going to get more machine? <laughs> we got Emilio. 
Yeah, that's not bad, right? How about we just take it down even further with a connection to one of our favorite movies? How about Keith David as the judge? Whoa, I like that. Yeah, isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Like, just picture Keith David, like, rolling his eyes as Ezra announces that he's going to act as his own counsel. <laughs> he just, like, looks over at, uh, you know, Marsh Clark there, and he's just like, <laughs> if you insist. Arya says, look, Ezra, I didn't just come over here to warn you about Allison. I came here to tell you something that I should have told you before. And Ezra says, Arya, you don't need to tell me anything. And she's like, no, listen, you don't have to worry about Sean anymore. She's dead. And I know that she's dead because I'm responsible. And he's like, what do you mean responsible? And Arya says, I mean that I killed her in New York after I left the hospital. And I just meant to stop her. I never meant to kill her anyway. That's what I've been telling myself. But it was just in the moment. I don't know. And Ezra makes his face like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. When I first saw this, Ezra looks fucking terrified. Like, he's just like, I want the last 10 seconds back. And I want to jump out a window instead. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, one of the... or. Nice uh, fans on Twitter, Amy, said that that's also his, uh, I have the weirdest boner face, which that's fair. It could be that as well. As she said, it's a subtle difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like kind of like looks off like, hmm, like, you gotta, you gotta calculating. Have, for the first few months of their relationship, Ezra had to be having this internal dialogue like, this boner is going to get me in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. A lot of trouble. Got um, shot in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like he, he sighs in resignation. It's like, I'll be dead soon anyway. Whatever. <laughs> he stands his crippled ass up, and he's like, how can I help you? He hobbles around the coffee table here, which takes ten minutes. And he's like, how can I help? And then Arya clicks out her vampire teeth and bites his jugular. Well, it's just, those huge eyes of hers, it's like, this is exactly what you wanted, right? Like, this is why you came here. Yeah. So then we cut to a uh, like a sink in a beauty parlor. We see a stylist is lowering Hannah's head into this to like wash her hair, and the stylist is like, "Same shade of blonde this time." And Hannah says, "No, not the same. It's can time just, for a change." Can we just talk about how this sequence is so fucking amazing? So we then follow. One I remember the- watching this with you, and when we get to this part that happens in a moment, we were like, "Wait, what the fuck?" Like, we were well, like that's it- the end of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of cut off there, and we were yeah. like, huh? um, So we follow the feet of one of the beauticians over to a wall not far from Hannah. There's like a shelf well, of beauty supplies on it. It's well, on it's like an opaque s- wall. Smoked glass window. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, through this smoked glass opaque wall, we see Mona walk up towards the wall. We're on. She's on the other side of, than us. She's looking at us and Hannah. Then we, we kind of see through this murkiness that Mona's keeping an eye on Hannah. And then a woman comes up besides Mona faces her mona turns and starts to talk to her but we can't make out who this mysterious stranger is all we can see is that this person appears to have like light brown blondish hair right uh maybe it's ally maybe it's Cece. maybe it's someone else entirely uh the the profile with the nose kind of looks like it could be Cece, but who knows i've seen some people say that they thought it was andrea parker but it's not because this person is way too short yeah no, the uh, hair's also all different. it's yeah. whoever yeah it andrea is. parker would be like a foot taller than mona yeah. whoever it is this is not the same actress like playing whoever it'll ultimately be i don't think probably not no but i mean it, it really like i i feel like you're supposed to think like is that Allie? is that cc like 
Because, you know, we're not getting any aid tags right now because A's gone. A's dead. Right. But, like, what the fuck is this? Well, and again, Moda's keeping tabs on Hannah and meeting with some strange blonde. It And it's utterly, amazingly compelling, considering the fact that we don't have A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, still, this is like, the end of the episode. It cuts off right here with Mona talking to this person. But we're, like, totally on the edge of our seat. It's so stylistic and interesting. Um, We'll definitely be hypothesizing about who this person is for a while. I also remember there was a touch of wild curiosity and anticipation uh, online after this about what Hannah's new look would look would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Which is called Throne from the Ride. Throne from the Ride. Uh, yeah, that's that's Surfing the Aftershocks. Uh, very fun episode. These, these episodes without an A, it's kind of just like... We stirred up so much trouble. Now we're just gonna like kind of see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna dance around in the uh, the leftover like dust in the air. Um, I should say thank you to Brandon in Canada. I saw we got a review from our friends up north. Uh, he likes the theory. It's nice to hear that. Likes the doppelganger theory. Oh, excellent. Um, we I I keep meaning to mention this. I keep forgetting. Um. I believe it was Leah was asking us online if there was like we were going to like make a discussion thread on Reddit for the podcast or like something on our website page. Um, Each of like when we post an episode, there's a, you know, like a blog post for it on our website. Um, You can discuss the episode there if you want. I think you just need like a Twitter account or Facebook account or something to leave a comment. Um, I don't know about Reddit. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would be a little spammy to like like mm-hmm. at least i wouldn't want to make a threat on reddit if somebody else wanted to i wouldn't object but i don't know i'd feel kind of uh skeezy i guess like making a threat on reddit for an episode right it's an idea i mean we're definitely interested if if enough people want to have threads somewhere other than like twitter or our website i mean Augustus. reddit's certainly a, a good place for conversation i guess the i mean I, i've kind of you know i keep an eye on the the pll subreddit it seems like it's a slightly different crowd than the type of people who might enjoy listening to our podcast i don't know right um we're always very curious about most of that pll subreddit seems to be like theories and then like occasionally like complaining that the fans could do a better job than the writers which is bs yeah um also want to thank i believe it's pimpy castro on iTunes, on American iTunes, for leaving us a uh, a review a few days ago. It's oh, a very nice review. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and of course, thanks to everyone who kind of joins in and talks to us on Twitter. The Twitter. Um, we do have a Facebook page that I never mentioned. It's there if you feel like finding it, but nothing really happens on it except episodes get posted. I mean, uh, we can make something happen on it if people want to. Eh, I don't know. I kind of like Twitter. Twitter, to me, seems like a a nice place for conversation. Short and sweet. How things have changed for you. Oh, really? You used to hate Twitter. I didn't. You did. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> I don't but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the people who have reached out and talked to us. Uh, I've really appreciated it. I've enjoyed interacting. I know you have too. Um, it's It's been great. I mean, we've, we've been very lucky though that people have found us and, you know, seemingly voiced their enjoyment. Yeah, so if you want to talk to us on Twitter, we are at Bros Watch PLL2 
Our website page is broswatchpll2.com. If you go there, you should get to our, our website page where you'll see a blog post for each of our episodes. So if you want to leave kind of a longer comment, that's probably the best place to do it, I think. Um, and yeah, if you like the podcast, if you like giving us a review, you can do that on iTunes. Mm. We have 30 reviews in America, I think eight in Canada and a couple in Australia. in America. Well, yeah, review. 30. Sorry, 30 ratings. Yeah. Um, if you are from a country that is not the U.S. or Canada or Australia and you've left us a review, we certainly wouldn't mind hearing from you on Twitter or something because I don't get any notification that we have a review. I basically, like, every once in a while just go try to look up every country that seems like maybe somebody there, you know, likes PLL. Mm-hmm. Let's see, like, like we had one from China. I don't know. Maybe we have another. I haven't checked recently. Uh, I believe it was. I know I mentioned them. I think in the last episode, it was Black Veil Theories. Uh, due to one of your posts, we discovered that we could get reviews in other countries. We honestly <laughs> did not know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, they, it's not like iTunes tells you when you get a review. So. And then we we spent one night just clicking around different countries, starting with English language countries, and then went to a few non. I'm a little disappointed. Countries. We've gotten nothing from England. I I don't know. Canada, Australia. Well, they're but checking again, in, also, but... if you switch your iTunes to a different country to England, it's interesting. The episodes are for sale, uh, you know, available for purchase or viewing or whatever. That you don't you don't have like the same. Like I don't think they had season four on there or season yeah five. I, don't, I don't even know i mean the rights are all weird when you get to other countries and we didn't talk about it when we did this episode but i like that whenever i go to pll and itunes escape from new york seemingly is always the most popular episode hmm interesting yeah escape from new york and then the uh the finale to 5a i don't know i mean i certainly enjoyed escape from new york this last episode we just did is one of my favorites of the season uh, um, surfing the aftershocks oh yeah this is a well it's it's a both like visually and like what it conveys with that i mean yeah it's just a great well, anytime awesome you can episode anytime like yeah awesome peter hastings spencer scenes uh great kind of like delving into the psyche of like hannah and like her relationship with mona mm-hmm. um yeah it's just a fun episode well, season so. season five a is really good for like kind of getting into Hannah in a much different way than you usually do. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, this this is not like the season you're expecting. I think this is very much a, a darker season. It's almost a little bit reminiscent of maybe like Buffy season six in some regards. Maybe a little. I mean, it definitely has like a a dark tone to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but in in a good way with no double meat palace. So yeah, we'll be back next time to talk about Throne from the Ride. That's a uh, Mike Goldsmith, Janice Cook episode. Excellent. Uh, Until then, have a good one. Yes. Bye-bye.